cheers to episode 39. Cheers. Cheers. Peach Ciroc. Ginger beer. What was that? Sorry, I'm drinking water. Ginger. <laughs> just, just regular ginger beer. Uh, today is, tonight is Sunday, September 26th, 8.23 p.m. And 2021. 2021. And I'm hitting the bottle hard after probably one of the top five worst Lions losses I've ever seen in my life. I don't know if it's in the top five because I'd have to go back and look at all the losses. Dallas playoff loss. Packers, Hail Mary. Falcons. Falcons. Being short. Packers Sorry. Monday night. Packers Monday night. I Calvin think. Johnson Bears. Calvin Johnson Monday night. Calvin Johnson Seahawks Monday night. Nah. That this was. isn't up there because this isn't up there because this team isn't that good, so we don't have to worry about it. It's a good point. Ellie. This team isn't that good. That is true. But it was unbelievable, unfathomable what we watched. It sucked. Before we dive into the actual breakdown of that game. Now, try to think outside of football here, guys, because I know that consumes us the last two days. But how was everyone's week? What is new in your life? Um, I went to MJR, Evan, after you gave it yeah. rave reviews. And I thought it was pretty yeah. nice. Talk to us about the seats. Seats were nice. You know, they kind of sink pretty low when you recline. And I couldn't see the subtitles all the time for, for the moments there were subtitles in the movie. What do you mean you couldn't see the subtitles? Uh, I was, the screen wasn't big enough? <laughs> no. Like when you hit your recline, you sink back. And then I was too close, I guess, to the screen. Whoa, so whoa, whoa. Low. MJR has Recliners. buttons to yep. recline. It's like in Adrian, Michigan. Yeah. And they have a bar. A bar? Mm-hmm. In the theater. Uh, in the in the building. The yes. lobby. Yes. They have a bar. What else has changed there? Every seat is recliner. That's crazy. And uh, the walls are new and the carpet looks new. And yeah, just, they just basically just redid the whole place. Pretty nice. I need to go. Seven out of 10. Hmm. Other than that, I didn't do much. Okay. Well, the logical question What'd you see there, Alex? I saw Shang-Chi. The movie was good. Yeah. Yeah. How does this... uh, Some parts I didn't love. How does this invented character fit in with all the other invented characters? Um, It's not really mingled in yet. This is more of an origin story. Oh. Because it's his first time, you know, being on screens. But uh, the Ten Ring stuff I thought was pretty cool. Interesting. Evan, have you seen this movie? Yes, I have. Did you think it was cool? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Shockingly, I enjoyed it. Why shockingly? It's one of those under-the-radar uh, Marvel movies. Yeah, I didn't know if I would like them, and I have high standards for Marvel movies when they're introducing a new uh, superhero and a character to the universe, and this movie was very well done. Yep. I thought it was good. A lot of good action. Wow. Anything else from your week? No. Not, not At least not football. Gosh. So, yeah, last show we got back from Miami yep so i bow okay so sickness update i'm still a little stuffed up sinus wise but other than that like everything else feels normal so i'm about out of the woods with that credit card statement was something after miami that was uh sobering mm-hmm. other than that same old same old work and watch football yeah 
my week was kind of boring. Didn't really do anything. Can you um, give us a... Oh, it was, it was rainy all week. It was like the... the, yeah. the this was the change to fall weather week. Evan, we're going to need uh, weekly flag football updates. Oh, there's no way they watch. Um, so, through Monday night... <laughs> all the people... Well, we recorded Tuesday. I already told you what happened. No, you didn't. You didn't talk about it. You did not talk about your flag football games. Oh, so we had one game already. We played again Tuesday night. Um, we played a game, and let's just say that um, experience matters in I am football, and we take it very very seriously. And some people need to play better on the team. <laughs> tough loss. A very tough loss. The team that we played was not better than us, definitely, but we let them look better than us. It was a joke of a show. Um, and, you know, we have to look ourselves in the mirror and point fingers at the people that deserve it the most. Are you one of them? No, absolutely not. When people are asking to practice afterwards and I turn to somebody and I say, no, I'm not practicing because I'm not the reason we lost. There's a reason for that. Yeah, but no I in team. Wow. That's hitting the a-hole and I, I will be that a-hole. Are you the quarterback? Yeah. Alex, do you have a filter on your screen? Maybe. You definitely have a filter on. What is this? The Kardashians? I wasn't trying to. Evan, look at his screen. Is it different? His skin looks way different than ours. This isn't on. It's the lighting. No. Filters. Video filters. You for sure have one on. Do none. Oh? Do none. The black and white. Yeah. You look way different now. Mm-hmm. You look the yellow earlier. I notice. Colorblind. More low-key wigs for the guys, which I feel like will... Necessary. Probably, yeah, necessary. Especially when you're hitting the bottle on Sunday night after the Lions loss. Lions, 17. Ravens, 19. Good teams win. Great teams cover. I guess high on our faces because we all thought this was going to be a blowout. So we do have to give credit there. Which leads into my first point about the game. Even before the game, I saw some encouraging signs during the week of this regime that we are not hanging around and letting past mistakes linger, a.k.a. Jamie Collins. You know, Alex, I think, had maybe the harshest words on the podcast for him. There has to be some more, like, locker room stuff behind this because while his play wasn't good, it wasn't the worst thing ever been put on a football field. And it's like not like he quit, like, the Ohio State player, which we can touch on later in college football. But, like... There had to have been some effort thing or discussions having like, all right, he's not coming to practice anymore and we're trading him. And I like it. And that leads me into at least in the first couple drives I saw and a couple third and shorts, it felt like our new speed at linebacker was paying off for us. It felt like Reeves Maben was at least getting downhill and and sticking his nose in the football. He does look a little undersized uh, at linebacker, but speed will make up for that. As long as you're in the right position and you're willing to throw your body at players and piles of human beings, which I think he did. So that was my first encouraging sign from the regime and, and all the overall linebacker speed play. I'm glad uh, glad Collins is on the way out. He stunk. <laughs> the defense is initially the first take you look. I think the defense looked faster. Um, it's a different scheme when you're facing the Packers last week versus the Ravens this week. Um, but the front seven just looked faster from week to week i thought they had played a lot with more energy and they didn't look like a team that's already given up on the year so credit to mcdc for that yeah and also we can thank marquise brown for dropping a bunch of touchdowns i did have that down 
as one of yeah, my my fantasy team does not thank them, but you know, mm. Mm. so split split there watching the game, uh, you know, wanting your fantasy team to ball out, but also wanting to lie down to victory. I can tell you what, I was probably cheering for Marquise Brown more than that. Wow. I kind of expected that. I was going to ask you, like, would you rather have him score? And I was like, yeah, I know where that's going. Um, but yeah, that, I, that was one of my main kind of five big picture points from this game that Hollywood Brown and Lamar Jackson basically let us hang around because I also, so again, I was kind of in and out of seeing every play while also working. So I saw Lamar, I saw all of Hollywood's three drops for touchdowns, which is actually insane. That might be like a, a, a historical stat in a bad way. I feel like if you, if someone could do research on that, but I also saw Lamar to other receivers miss like one or two deep throws. Like I think a Mark Andrews one, he just clearly missed. So as solid as our defense looked, it also was the Ravens shooting themselves in the foot. I'm sure they're a little hungover from the big Chiefs win um, late Sunday night football. This was kind of a natural letdown spot, but boy, did they really let down in this spot. And I guess credit to us for staying in the game. Um what were some other other guys' main takeaways for this game? Defensively only? No, I don't care. Full Just game? Jump around. Uh, I thought we should have tried to get Hawkinson more involved. That was my first uh, glaring. Only had two catches, right? Yeah, he just wasn't involved really at all. And I think he's a key in this offense. So that was one of my takeaways. He feels like a guy that needs to have at least eight targets per game. Yeah. especially in our offense and considering the other options there are breaking news to throw Kyle Juzik just took the first carry of the game so <laughs> wow so shout out you at it for being right <laughs> behind the pre-show curtain there were some questions being asked about he didn't why start at running back though but he did take the first carry why Evan is playing Kyle Juzik as his what RB2. running back running back two in fantasy football tonight me too baby <laughs> On top of that, Alex, of players I'd like to see more involved, that'd be DeAndre Swift. Yeah. Now, he shout out him. He did have a very nice game, uh, especially if you own him in fantasy, which Alex does because he's a he's a tried-and-true Lions fan, except when he's a Chiefs fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still got the feeling, and now I, I didn't have the sound on, so I don't know if the announcers were talking about a potential injury that popped up. Um, Maybe, Evan, you can clarify that. I don't know. But he wasn't on the field during, like, some of the last drives. They the were riding, riding Jamal Williams, and he wasn't out there. And in my opinion, like I told you guys last show, I need him almost 80% snap counts as a running back. And, again, I like Jamal Williams. There's a place for Jamal Williams on this team, but I need to see a lot more DeAndre Swift because he is actually a game-changing player. And I don't say that lightly. Yeah, he needs to get the ball more. He needs to play more. But – you know, I, like I said last week, they're probably just still trying to work him back from the groin injury, and they don't want to go full go yet. So that's probably. I think why. some of like the third down passing downs. I think Jamal Williams is better like a uh, blitz Locking. pickup running back than Swift is, so that might be some situations there. Um, Swift did get fourteen carries, and he had seven receptions. So I mean, that's twenty-one times that he had the ball in his hands Love for. It. The sample size offensively, and you still, as a Lions fan, we want him to have the ball more. He should be getting hopefully around 20 carries, and like seven's a good number for a receiving back. Um, but 20 carries, but this offense just isn't maintaining drives where we can get on the high volume. So that's where we're hurting ourselves in the foot. The blitz pickup's a good point because those are things that my brain does not like to factor in. Like, I don't like the boring stuff, the nitty gritty picking up blitzes. I like just to see the flashy stuff. So that's why I'm like, why isn't he out there? 
pivoting briefly back to Hawkinson, I see he only had two targets as well. So this could be that classic against better teams now. Um, you know, teams kind of let him let him see if how much of a factor he can be in weeks one and two. And they saw he was a huge factor in weeks one and two. So now he's going to be game planned again. So I'm personally interested in our next meeting at Chicago. And then we have at Minnesota to see how those how we do against those divisions opponents with Hawkinson now knowing like that's a that's a test good test for Anthony Lynn is now knowing that they're going to try to take Hawkinson away. What are you going to do about it to then get him back open? Mm-hmm. So that is as Lions fans, you search for things to look for and be interested in this year. That would be something you could be interested in this year. You're welcome. Do we want to talk about the 66 yard kick now? Uh, not yet. I'm thinking we can talk about that just drive, maybe your emotions. But first of all, before that, um, in the game, and again, it's going to be talked about until either a big win happens, as in like a winning record and stuff, or if it all comes crumbling down, it's just like we're feeling out Coach Campbell in game situations. We talked about his clock, a clock management situation last week. We did not like. Um, again, the players on the field have to perform. But anytime a team gets a false start on a fourth and one, it's just a big red flag to me that there's some like discipline or just like it's not instilled enough that like you're false starting on a fourth and one. Like you just good teams do not do that. Well coached teams do not do that. Again, game three of his regime. So I'm not going to freak out about it. Um, but I'm going to monitor that going forward to see if there's improvement in that area because you cannot have those. Yeah, there's been some discipline issues through three weeks in terms of flags, false starts, holdings. Needs to get cleaned up. Way too early to say it's a Dan Campbell problem, though. I'll give it some time. Evan, you mentioned you motioned the four fingers when I said that. Well, I think it happened three or four times. It happened when we try to go for a fourth down yeah, this there was year, even in this game. In this game. Oh, really? And, it, and we had a full start, yes. So I don't know. I wouldn't say it's Dan Campbell because we're pretty disciplined throughout the rest of the game. Um, I think it might be almost system wise, like schematic wise, where where we go fourth down and short, where you have two calls and then you probably have a false cadence and a true cadence. Now you're mixing and matching and people don't know what to do. Makes sense. And obviously when you get into short down packages, now you're bringing in backups to be like the sixth and seventh offensive line. So now you have subs in there. So just going your normal base package of, you know, two tight ends, two receivers and a running back. Uh, just a random stat to throw in before we get maybe to like the sequence of the play. I see that we held them to one of 10 on third down. So that's really impressive for your third down defense to, you know, make them go one for 10, especially the Ravens, like pretty solid offense, even though it's pretty old school. They still have a solid offense overall. Yeah, and I guess now that I look at penalties, we had seven, but there's only for 35 yards. So could be way worse yardage wise on those. I don't know. I mean, as we get into it, it really felt like as much as you don't think the Lions are ever going to win a game from what you see in your life, it really felt like they should have won this game there in the fourth quarter. So we we kind of played a little passive, I thought. Like we were definitely trying to play for the field goal. Whatever. I get. Did you guys feel that way? I felt like the play calling was just kind of like vanilla there. We weren't really trying for the end zone. Um Anyone like second that or feel that way? Like with this a gap, yeah, I agree. Three runs. As soon as we got down there, then you had a couple bad plays, and they were just full sending the defensive front, like no gap integrity. They were just trying to get penetration into the backfield to slow us down, and that's we kicked, and it was like fourth, and we were behind. The I get we so. were trying to get them to use all their timeouts, but 
could have been a little more aggressive. Yeah, I don't. I mean, they only had two, so they were still getting. We were going to run down the clock no matter what. Like, even if you do just like a bootleg, a simple bootleg, just stay and bounce, like a quick, easy pass like that, like a bootleg, like that. We've been we're running all game to get golf away from the pocket. We're still running all game. Like you complete the pass inbounds and tell them to stay inbounds, and you're going to run the clock no matter what. You don't have to line up in I formation and just hand the ball off. Well, Campbell's going for his uh, first win, so maybe he got a little nervous. Yeah, especially as to, to I know it's Monday morning quarterback or Sunday night quarterback for being super specific, but knowing that they have one of the best kickers of all time, um, you know, even if you're running down their timeouts, there's still the possibility that they can just play for a field goal when you're up 17-16 as opposed to getting that touchdown. But so then we get the we get the kick. Uh, I forget how long it was, but I guess it's a, a good sign from the kicker carousel we have going on that he made it. So it was like 30. Credit to him for that because that's never a given in the NFL. And then it was fourth and 19. Fourth and 19 with 22 seconds, right? On the 26-yard line. Yeah. What, the, what it reminded me of, now they only got a field goal, but it just reminded me of when Michigan beat Notre Dame under the lights for the first time in 2011. It was like a similar situation with like 29 seconds left, backed up in their own end, third and long or whatever. And you just like forget about a receiver along the sidelines and then it goes for a massive play. Lamar had all day on this. So, well, escaped the sack. I remember Alex, you made an audible noise because you thought he was sacked and then he escaped. And then it was just kind of one of those night, but that's Lamar Jackson, one of those nightmare breakdown plays where he finds a man just kind of staying there by himself. And then they get into position and then if you guys want to have a rant about the uh, DOG, go ahead. But I don't know about you guys. It seemed, I don't know if there was miscommunication in the clock system, but it seemed pretty clear there should have been a delay game there. Well, I was screaming during the game that there was a delay game for the three seconds that it was at zero. And uh, it was a long zero. The refs clearly didn't hear me from here, which is disappointing. But then, uh, you know, it's also just one of those things where don't give up the fourth and twenty. 40-yard pass, and you don't have to worry about it. So, Evan seems to like that point. You can't, you can't blame it on that because you shouldn't have even been in that situation. I can blame it on that. It's easy to blame it on that for sure. Sure is. I just blamed it. Either way, the dude still had to make a 66-yard field goal, which is an NFL record. But the game's over. And he's, I mean, he made it. So, the game's, to him. The game's over because yes, of the runoff. It stinks, but then... This is the Lions. This is what happens. You're just going to have to accept it until it's not a thing anymore. But for now, it just feels like the Lions can't find ways to win games and they find ways to lose games in the most miserable way possible for all their fans. It just continues to happen. At least once a year, there's some game like this where you're like, wow, again, it just keeps happening. I'll get out in front and say it. The NFL can save their apology for the the missed DOG. I don't, I don't, need, I don't need to hear it tomorrow. I don't need it. I know it. We all know it. Everyone that watched the game knows it. Red zone, they hammered it home. Chris Hansen, everyone knows it. Everyone saw it. It was... Because like we all know, having watched football in our lives, that when it kind of flips from one to zero, a lot of times refs will be lenient and you let that play get off. Like I always said, this sat at zero for like at least a second. At least a full tick. It sat at zero. Enough for me to t- like yell audibly about it before it was snapped. That's a good amount of time. Evan, your thoughts on that moment? 
Okay, so th- my whole thing was to like, be devil's advocate. Like, I'm with Alex. Like, you shouldn't have the fourth down conversion happen. Right. Um, or even if it does happen, like, okay, you get a fourth down in, like, 19. Okay, you can't have it go for 36 yards. Like, you got to limit to, like, 20, 25. Because it was actually, like, 10 yards now gives them a field goal range of Justin Tucker. Um, I didn't like the time the last time out that we had. They didn't have any timeouts, so all they have left is like the 25 second play clock to like get a play and get their formations down. I'd rather have us just get our base formation in and just let the players play. I didn't like the last timeout because now you're giving the, you're giving them a free timeout to like find something that they like. And, and then so the kick, you know, it it, it is off the TV uh, time. And I, I truly don't know if it was a delayed game because you always have to go like, what's the clock in the stadium? We don't know the yeah, ones on TV. They are paired up usually ninety five percent correctly, but mm-hmm. and then the actual delayed game, they always ask during every year. The back judge, the one that's farthest away from the line of scrimmage, is the one that keeps track of it, and he will look at the play clock, and then as soon as he looks at you see zero, then he'll look at the ball, and then he'll look up to see if they've snapped it yet. So technically, you get like an extra like second, because then they won't really call it until after he checks double it. So he's checking, he sees it at zero, he checks to see if they snapped it, and they haven't yet. That's when he throws it. You know, it's the oldest, one of the oldest phrases in the book, but it's a classic case of two wrongs in this case, don't make a right. We were wrong for giving up the fourth and 19 like a bunch of dinguses. But that doesn't mean that the refs can also be wrong in that situation. And they bail us out. But we don't really get bailed out ever. So that happens. And then, I mean, my goodness, the fact that the fact that Tucker gets a member's shooter's touch bounce on the thick of the crossbar is unbelievable. I've actually never... I don't, I hate doing the whole never or most ever, but I don't think I've ever seen a ball like hit like that and then go so perfectly end over end like forward in. Usually it gets smacked and goes out, or you know that you think about the double doink in Chicago, it hits the sides and bounces out. Certainly seen him hit on a line drive and and skirt through the uprights, but like his was so perfectly kicked end over end and it hit goes straight up and like still spinning back in, which is I, I don't know how that I don't know physics. We don't have Neil DeGrasse Tyson on the show. I don't know how that happens. Um, but it was a very slow death of watching that go up and then flip. And you, the, seeing the fans' reactions in that end zone was kind of hilarious. Because they, they thought, like, oh, my gosh, he didn't make it. And then they could kind of see the net move. And they're like, oh, no. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was touchdown to the hands on the head in a second. I thought he missed. I thought, he I, I thought it bounced off. As soon as he came off his toe and that ball was in the air, I was like, oh, he drilled it. And hits a crossbar, and I was expecting to see the ball ball like landed like in the end zone. I thought it did. I my eyes told me that yeah. that ball landed on the turf. In that moment, Alex was not a good person to watch with. He screamed short, and I was like, "Oh, sweet!" It's it for was sure short. short. That was true. It was short, and then it bounced. It was it. short, but it had that sweet little Steph Curry rotation on it that it hit the front of the rim and just looped in. Yeah, I thought it missed. That sucked. I didn't see any of the post-game stuff. Um, I'm sure there's a b- bunch of good quotes and stuff just when something like that happens, but I don't know if I need to see him. I think I saw quarterback Captain Jared Goff said that the gut punches will stop soon, so would love to see it when it happens. Um, I appreciate him trying to give us confidence. That wasn't confidence. <laughs> uh, big picture stuff here to, to my kind of wrap-up thoughts is the Pistons, or sorry, <laughs> the Lions took a page out of the Pistons playbook 
as we saw them put together to put together the best tank job season of all time, play games competitively and find unique and creative ways to lose. So if you want to spin zone this into a positive, that's well, I guess it still hurt because as Alex was saying in his brain, if we had won this game, then we're we're I don't know, we're competing for something because we beat the Ravens after they beat the At Chiefs. At least for three weeks we would have been the that. NFC North. But now after you go 0-3, we just kind of know and have settled in here that it's going to be a long season. But the flip side of that, so that's good that we're, I guess, tanking in creative ways. Yeah. Doesn't seem to be a clear-cut number one quarterback in college football right now. So I think maybe Jared Goff will survive his two-year stopgap and will hit on 2023. So we might just be taking Kayvon Thibodeau or something in the 2022 draft. Um because your guy haven't uh, lost to the team. Not that this is a North, Lombardo beat. It's not a North Carolina podcast. Whoa, individual but. stats looks good. Okay, <laughs> team stats. This is college football is a team game, Alex. Come on, quarterbacks win, Evan. Sam yeah. Sam Howell at North Carolina is Evan on his flag football team. Like, Ask you know, Clemson's quarterback how that's treating him. He's not that good. Oh wow, he's probably pretty good. Um, did you guys have any major like takeaways you thought from the Lions Ravens game other than what we hit on? No, just as so well, man. Yeah, like well, I don't know why the Ravens were not running the ball more. They averaged like five yards a carry, and they were just like, you know what? It's one of the worst run defenses the last like three years. We're just not going to run the ball. They were trying to get right in the passing game. It was a glorified practice for them, and then it got kind of close, and they're like, oh, it is an alarming lack of carries for their whole team when you look at it. As I'm looking now. Especially for my guy Tyson Williams. They had like 100 some yards, and Lamar had half of them, and half of Lamar's came on one play. Yeah, I mean, two of their running backs had uh, four yards per carry or more, and then your quarterback has 8.3 yards per carry, and you only ran it between those people 19 times. So that's pretty insane when you think about it. Like, why not just hammer it more? Yeah. But again, we're looking at a different score here if Hollywood Brown and Lamar. Connect, connect to three. If yeah, if Hollywood does his job and Lamar does his job on the other Mark Andrews throws, but anyways, it just it has to, and also it was a kick in the nuts that Matt Prater, ex Lion, loved Lion, missed a sixty-eight yarder earlier in the day, Crib. which would have been a record. So because what made this even worse is that was the NFL's longest kick ever. If if our guy Matt Prater could have just made his kick. Then it's like, all right, they won a 66-yarder. But also, it's not the longest. And this insane stat from NFL research is that Justin Tucker's 66-yard game-winning field goal at the Lions is the longest-made field goal in NFL history, like I just said. But did you know his previous career long of 61 yards was also a game-winner in an 18-16 game at the Lions in Week 15, 2013? So Justin Tucker owns Ford Field. Must be great conditions to kick in. Well, it's inside. It is. No wind. Confirm four field is inside. Yeah. Great conditions. <laughs> yeah. There's only a wind if someone lets out a big Coney dog fart. <laughs> Which we could have used. The whole the whole uh, whatever end zone that was allowed just a big Coney dog fart at that moment and hopefully push it. That basically was today's game in a nutshell. Coney dog fart. Yeah. It stunk like This <laughs> 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 Just a Coney dog fart right at the nostrils. Suffocating. All right, any other, um, as we do around the horns, any other major NFL observations you saw today? Uh, it seemed teed up for Alex that he thinks, basically felt like Alex thinks every quarterback in the NFL stinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zach Wilson, bomb. Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> terrible throws. 
Actually, these are rookies, Alex. Okay. Yeah, basically just the rookies, you know. This Good point, Evan. A lot of picks. Also, the first half of the NFL games today was drunk. There was a turnover every other five minutes, and then a kicker recovered his own kick. The Washington kicker booted it deep, got caught up in the wind, took a bounce, and caught it. He caught his own kick and recovered. It bounced off like somebody's like face or like chest, and it booted like towards the. Unbelievable team. that that happened. The kick was in well, the You see the ref throw a flag when Rondell Moore was trying to catch a punt, and the, the flag hits the ball, <laughs> and Rondell Moore like muffed it because of it. Like I said, today's games were hammered. They didn't know what was going on. As polished as I like to think the NFL is compared to college football, mm-hmm. I do like really notice how many crazy plays are because everyone's just so athletic, just flying sloppy around. sloppy this morning. Um, Steelers stink, too. Evan. Steelers fans that listen. Your 32nd Stafford... Uh, Stafford Love Fest. Big win for him. Uh, you know, future bet, you know, MVP down on it. It's looking really good. Um, they got Cooper Cups on his team because I think it's making him look a lot better. First quarter was not looking good, and then he just turned it on. It was awesome. He's finally, well, I don't want to say finally, you know, just got a coach that cares about him and loves him. We loved him. Yeah, we <laughs> as fans loved him, but the coaches that were with him did not. Really? I think that seems like a juicy room. I think you're just holding it onto the poncho, man. The poncho, man. Yeah, he was more worried about what was in the buffet line than what was going on on the field. Coney dogs. <laughs> um, the Bears with Justin Fields. I'm not really sure oh, what happened there. That was he bad. Looked like a poo poo today. It was bad. The Ohio State quarterbacks don't translate well to the NFL. Well, so like, I wouldn't go that like, far. But he, no, we were like flicking the channel, you know, back and forth fantasy, you know, going through the Ryder Cup and the two games around just regular cable. And we could probably watch a good like hour and a half of like the Browns and Bears game. And the Bears were never on offense because <laughs> of how bad they were today. It was always the Browns. That's how it felt for me with Washington. Just trying to watch Antonio Gibson. They were just never on offense ever. They had like 13 plays that the Bills like 60. I was like, what is happening? Um, turns out drafting your quarter, star quarterback's best friend wide receiver from his college over an offensive lineman was a sweet move because I think Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are going to score every week at this rate. Um, they scored yeah. twice today, right? So four touchdowns in yes. three weeks. Jamar Chase set like the youngest, like quickest of whatever touchdowns. He's only 21. So quickest of whatever touchdowns in the first weeks like that Randy Moss did. So pretty good company there. The Saints seem to be a roller coaster team. I think I'm going to label them the roller coaster team. I think they're going to have great weeks where they look sweet and bad weeks where they look atrocious. So that happened. The Chiefs are the last in their division. The Chiefs are last in their division. Just let that sink in three weeks in. Turnovers. The Raiders. Turnovers. Yeah. Also, Mahomes might have actually been drunk playing the game of football today. He had two kind of like crazy picks. Well, the first one was not his fault. It his dude. <laughs> yes, it was. It is dude yes, in the hands. Was what throw. was he doing on that? What was he doing on that? He tried to no look him. Fine. But if that was Travis Kelsey. <laughs> For no gone. reason. Only Stafford can do that. Oh, guys. Stafford invented that. Wow. <laughs> um, the Chiefs will be fine. And then the Vikings got back on the board today. Yeah. Um, with a nice little win without Dalvin Cook. So Shout out Captain Kirk. I don't, fantasy day. I don't see many surprising scores, really, as I look at the board. I guess the only one would be that the Chargers beat the Chiefs, but that's not that surprising. And then I kind of felt Cincinnati was going to give Pittsburgh all they can eat because the um, Pittsburgh's offense has kind of been tough. So nothing really crazy. I don't know if you guys had any other thoughts from the game so far. I was hoping the Rams-Bucks would have been closer and better, but it wasn't. 
game got away from me. We get Cowboys on Monday night. What's new? And we got the Pack Packers and Niners right now. Nevin's got Kyle Juzak as RB2. That's right, baby. Go Kyle. He's got zero fantasy points. Nice. What's new? All right. So there's your NFL for the week until we get to the previews. Um, we'll get a divisional preview this week. Wow. Now we move into college football because this state has two. What are you guys top? We're 17. Top 17. 16 in the coaches. Two top 16 teams in the country. Let's let's use the more favorable number. Two teams that are better than Clemson. Facts. <laughs> Evan with a quick facts. I thought you were going to be like, whoa, 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 hold your horses. <laughs> um, we'll start with U of M versus Rutgers. I'd love to call them Buckers because I think it's funny, but they did not play like Buckers. They played a solid game. The final score was 20 to 13. I don't know. I kind of I had a lot of thoughts on this game, but I really don't want to go through all of them. Like, you know, timeline-wise, I have about so I summed it up to kind of five kind of bigger thoughts. Uh, would any of you guys like to get it? Sometimes that was a way to get yours off your chest too. Would you like to get those out of the way first? You want me to go first? Yeah, maybe I'll backpack all them. And sometimes you're like Grant, let me just get mine out of the way if I don't have a lot. Okay. Uh, a positive I had from the game for Michigan: no turnovers again. They have no turnovers. Yeah, I will not knock on wood. They have not turned the ball over once this year, which you know, probably will persist the whole season. Surprising. Uh, first half, I thought they looked good. Ran the ball decent. Scored. Had some nice little like slant routes, and you know, yeah, what speed, a concept, right? Speed now. space for Michigan in the first half. How about that? that? Um, so that was you know probably encouraging if you're a Michigan fan. And then the second half, they just, you know, stopped doing everything that worked and just looked like absolute poop and just hoped their defense played well. And luckily their defense did. So I think my last point is the defense played well. I don't think Rutgers offense is very good, but the defense itself played pretty well. Ready for some stats to back up your second half point? Mm-hmm. Okay. If you got little kids, you might want to cover their ears. They're pretty gross. 21 offensive plays in the second half. For a whopping 42 yards. <laughs> Two yards of play, nice. Seven passing yards. Yeesh. One of six. Seven passing yards. Seven passing yards in the second half of football. So he was over 150 at halftime. Yeah. yeah it was a very space in the It was a very half. balanced first half. Um, overall, it was like, okay, did they leave points on the board in the first half, which I'll get to? Yes. But they were in control of the game. See how – do you guys notice how this week wasn't as great? So I'm starting to throw a lot more days when it comes to Michigan. That's a little uh, <laughs> mental trick there. I'm also trying to stop doing um, Evan, did you have any initial thoughts from this game? Uh, my only initial thought was uh, the zero points in the second half. Um, definitely is like an eyesore when you're looking at the box score and you're looking at the team overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then total yards, Rutgers outgained them, but Rutgers was also one for four and fourth down. So, oh, good tail into that. Rutgers had probably one of the worst fourth down attempts of all time. Uh, we tweeted the highlight off our account. It was, I guess, like if so, it's kind of tough because if Andy Reid did this with the Chiefs and it worked, everyone would say he's a genius. But <laughs> Chiano basically tried to make. Michigan think the team didn't know what they were doing by having Vidral, the quarterback, walk to the sideline with his arms out, like what's going on. And then the running back just ran under center to take a snap. And as we discussed, a lot of quarterbacks like Jared Goff, baby hands, sometimes can't even take a snap right. So having your running back under center, something he never does, taking a snap, 
um, fumbled it because the D-line got a great push from Michigan and then recovered the, the ball, which is a good point, Evan, because it brings up the fact that, honestly, Rutgers should have won this football game. They left a lot of like dumb plays on the field. like They just didn't execute well, and they were the more undisciplined football team with penalties, which at least with the way the announcers talked about Sean McDonough and Todd Blackledge, they said both of these teams don't turn the ball over and both do not commit many penalties. Like I think Rutgers averaged three penalties going into the game so far, small sample size, but they definitely had over six or seven in this game. To start on my kind of five overall points here, I'm going to start with the good and the impressive, I would say Michigan's defense, Mike McDonald, the first year coordinator who I was had more questions about going into this year. It seems like his unit is leaps and bounds ahead of the offensive unit so far through four games. They passed a major test. Um, they were a little leaky in the second half, but when you think about all the three and outs Michigan was giving up, they're on the field the whole game. And that's, that'll be a theme for Michigan State as well. You know, you can only ask your defense to do so much when they're just, oh my God, deja vu, we're back on the field again after three plays. So they were left out to dry a million times. And more impressively, the young guys on the team really stepped up. And I'm going to consider Nikhil, uh, Nikai Heel Green, a sophomore linebacker, a younger guy because, you know, just a true sophomore, um, stepped up big time in the linebacker role. He did get burnt on the touchdown play that Rutgers had. But overall, he, he recovered and made a lot of run-stuffing stops. And then freshman linebacker Junior Colson stuck his nose in there to recover the fumble that sealed the game. And that's a natural hat tip to David Ajabo for causing the fumble. That was, I believe, Rutgers' first t- turnover of the season which is huge because, I don't know, watching that game, I know Alex was trying to tell me, like, oh, don't be worried. It never really felt like Michigan was going to lose. It absolutely did because they Jake Moody missed a field goal when he had been pretty rock solid the entire season. And then it's like, well, we have seven passing yards and 42 total yards, and Rutgers at least has moved the ball this half. So naturally, you think they're going to go in for a score um, on that. Off of Alex's point, the first half was solid. There was one hiccup, I would say, um, clock management, mess-ups of the week, an atrocious use of clock management, in my opinion, um, or game management, because there's another one after this, towards the end of the first half. I will say, there was 22 seconds left. We get the ball back. Uh, they get the ball back. We. They get the ball back. And you, I, in the past, the in the past, Harbaugh, you know, up 17-3 to three, would just take a knee and go into half. I did appreciate that they tried to score. So they ran a really simple like play action slant route like Alex talked about with a novel idea crossing route. Sanders still catches it and runs a mile and they get down to I don't, in, in the red zone, like at the 10 or something. And then there is, so I have it 13 seconds left, first and goal, two timeouts left. Okay. You guys are coaching. You're thinking to yourself, okay, what kind of play calls I've got? Well, they just ran a gap and got stuffed. Um, they're like from the seven as well. They're not on the one or the two. You know, so stuffed, got to call your timeout. And then there's nine seconds left, second and goal. So you got, okay, we got two chances here. Unfortunately, which will be a theme in the second half is Cade McNamara missed a layup of a touchdown. Like it's like it'd be the equivalent of missing a, a full, a full, uh, full court layup, like on a fast break, just missed it. Um, he had two tight ends wide open, picked the back one, missed uh, outside his outstretched arm. And then there's five seconds left, right? So in my mind, that play took like four seconds and it was a longer developing play. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to try to run a quick hitting play, something quick. Cause I, I deep down believe you can get one off that close in four seconds. They let the play clock run down to like two. We're all confused and burn the, burn the final timeout there. So then you have to kick a field goal. So you don't get a touchdown there. 20 to three. And then 
two other atrocious situations. Shout out AJ Henning. I'll work this in. Fantastic punt returner so far. Again, had a great punt return. Another theme you'll see in the Michigan State game. We have great punt returners in the state of Michigan. He sets you up in good field position on Rutgers' side of the field. You go backwards, but you have a third and 12 on their 41, and you hand off, and you get stuffed, and then you punt on their side of the field. Not sure why you're not trying to run some sort of pass play to maybe even get to four, four, fourth and three and then go for it. Run it up the middle, draw, stuffed, A-gap. Common theme here, folks. Third and 12. What a joke. Lastly, probably the most egregious, where I got a text from maybe potential guest one day. We'll call him Michigan fan BV. Text me. On Michigan's own 45 now. Five minutes to go in the third. Trying to get that drive to ice the game, you know? Call the first down passing play. Crazy. You guys can relate to that when you had Dave Warner at the helm. First down passing play? What? Never heard of her. We ran one. They ran one. Got to like second and three. Now, a lot of teams, maybe Andy Reid's of the world, Sean McVay's of the world, they have a sweet play action deep bomb on second and threes because they know I can pick up third down or go for it on four because it's four down territory at this point in the field. What does Michigan do? Any guesses? Uh... Running up the middle. Yes, Alex. Two A-gap runs in a row. Absolutely stuffed by the Rutgers front, who cried to them, turned up in the second half. Okay. So now it's like fourth and two, fourth and three. You didn't really go anywhere, but you didn't lose yards. Again, on your own 45, your defense is playing great. Need that drive. I don't know. If you trust your running game or your play calling, I'd go for it. I'd be, I'd be fine living with that. What do they do? They go empty set. Michigan goes empty set. Okay. That's believable, right? You got McNamara in the shotgun. He does a little quick run up underneath center like Rutgers did earlier with a running back. He then tries to hard count him. And then you get a delay of a game. So now you're fourth and six and the jig's up now. You're just well, they probably did the delay a game on purpose. Correct. But I think that's a horrible move. Yeah. Like why take the delay of game? No one's, ju- no one's jumping. That, that's so old. People don't jump. No one, ah, someone always eventually jumps. No one's jumping. It still happens. No one's jumping. That's man a up. bad take. People still jump. No, I hate that. I hate that. Just man up and go for it. Mm-hmm. You'd probably catch them more off guard going for it. And don't be an empty set. They know you're not running. They know you're not going to. They knew they weren't going to snap the ball with no running back. You think Michigan's going to throw on fourth and one? Probably never. I think they should have just got it on second or third, you know? Yeah, I agree. Probably should have. <laughs> All right, and now to the running game. Total stats here, 38 carries, 112 yards, 2.9 yards per carry. Not great. Um, But really, it was a second half difference. So they had 77 rushing yards in the first half, 156, I think, passing yards or whatever in the first half, I believe it was. So pretty balanced in the first half. You know, 77 is not terrible for a half of football. And then you can tell they took it away, which is a big future question that we'll have later in the show. But a big question I have is that you guys may have not seen, you know, doing your whole the tailgate thing at Michigan State, which, which I could have partaken. Sound fun. Cade McNamara took a big shot. Rutgers did have a player ejected from this game for targeting. It wasn't really that, like, a targeting per se, I'd say. But with the rules, it was a little dirty late hit. Like, they came after him, which is just, that's just college football. That's football in general. No problem with it. But Cade stayed in the game and he got up very fast. Something might, I'm not going to play doctor and none of us should. Something might have been wrong with him. 
because after that, he went, that was after that hit one for six for seven yards. And he missed several, several easy throws, guys, like several throws within five yards, wide open, threw it behind guys and wobbly ducks. And it just makes you think like, what, what happened there? Some, something's wrong. Something's off. I, I will see if there's any reports of it, but there was a speculation, you know, if, if he's just missing throws and that's maybe even a bigger issue. You can understand if a guy's hurt and he's missing throws, that, that gives you a reason. If he's just missing throws, that's bad. Which leads me to the question for you guys. If you're a Michigan fan, are you ready for J.J. McCarthy time? Um, I'm not a Michigan fan. If you were. Can, it's hard to even envision myself as one, but I'd be cool with J.J. McCarthy coming in. You'd look good in Mason Blue. I will not be doing that. Evan? Uh, I would say no, because uh, Key hasn't really hurt the team in Has any he? way this year. But is he helping um, the team? He's not hurting the team. Mm, he didn't answer he's that. Manager. He's a definition of a game manager. He's not hurting the team. I hate that word. play. I hate that um, He is out there and he's trying to execute his best ability with the play calls that are given to him. You sound like a coach right, right now. <laughs> and just and right now, speed, it is man. literally, hey, Cade, turn around and hand the ball off 35 times. And he's going to say, yes, coach. But what if it doesn't work, Evan? Then he has to throw. He goes one for six for seven yards. I'm going to be honest. He's not very impressive. I'd be cool with JJ hopping on in. Come on. I'm not knocking you for a Michigan quarterback. Why not? It's better for the show if they're good. Or, or we can sling some JJ merch. We could sling. No, JJ can start uh, starting in November. I'm just telling you there's a fever brewing in Ann Arbor, and it's about JJ McCart- McCarthy. Well, we, knew, we knew this was going to happen. After that, no. This was before that, no. Thing. Here's the thing, because like I like Cade McNamara, and I know he probably listens to the show, and it's like, why are you mm. laughing? And it's like, I don't... It's awkward, because like he... He's essentially in games he's fully played, undefeated as a starter at Michigan. That's not true. You know, I mean, he can he is. nine pass. That is true. So, you know, last year he comes in and erases Milton's deficit and then has them tied with Penn State through a quarter, gets hurt, lose that game. And then so far he's won every game this year. So it's like, are you an idiot for calling for his job, which sucks? And, you know, they're kids, but it's. This is what I saw throughout college football, guys. This is what kind of got me going. It made me a bigger picture is like, are, are we as fans just too nice and not as like just make the change? So Auburn, right, goes to Happy Valley. They only lost by eight points, right, or so. They pulled Bo Nix. They were losing to Georgia Southern. I get it. But they pulled Bo Nix. They're like, no. you've And Bo Nix has been there several years. He's a household name for Auburn. He may not be that good, whatever you think. But they pulled him. They're like, no, we're not going to risk losing this game. You're not playing well. We're getting out. Even if it's just for that game, get him out. And then, even crazier, I flip on the Oklahoma-West Virginia game because it's like, ah, it's the, probably the most boring ABC game of all time. They want Rattler out. So, Rattler's struggling bad, and Oklahoma's look bad, and the fans are cheering, we want Caleb Williams. We want Caleb Williams. They're five-star freshman recruit. And then I'm thinking, like, maybe there's some validity to the Michigan fan base wanting JJ to play. Because you sit here and you know, all three of us know, you can scoff all you want. We know Michigan football's ceiling with Caden McNamara. We do, right? Yeah. It's not, not very that high. And I would think it's higher with JJ. Maybe. He could easily be lower, too. He's an unknown. The floor could be lower with some interceptions. I'm sure he'd turn the ball over. He would have a lot of fresh. But I think with what I've seen about college football and football in general, it's not the worst idea I've ever seen. Do it against Wisconsin. I'm down. I'm down. 
I think if there was a game to do it, it would have been Rutgers. I wouldn't try to do it against Wisconsin. I don't know. But then also, my last point from the game really is that you can blame the players, but also it still goes back to this inept coaching staff that has been here for seven years. And people can say fire Gaddis into the sun to steal a phrase from Evan all they want. But in that seven years, who's the one constant at Michigan? Jimmy. Jim Harbaugh. So I ask these questions almost rhetorically. Why does Michigan not stretch the edges against teams that aren't as fast as them? Why do they keep running a gap over and over and over again when it's getting stuffed in the second half of play? Because it works. And tell me this. Why doesn't Michigan play action more? Alex, you watch those highlights. You saw the play action pass. Play action pass, quick play. Your offensive line barely has to block. Teams are so expecting you to run at this point. They're not ready for play action. Yet when it became later in the game, when they had to start passing, none of them are play action plays. They're saving it. What's the... No. For the big four. I don't believe that. And if that's true, that's disgusting. And... Don't get mad. It, no, that makes me mad when people say you're – the whole thing we're saving our best plays for the biggest games is the dumbest thing I've ever heard because that's how you lose the Rutgers. Well, you didn't and maybe – Should have. Jim's a genius. No. We'll know a lot more after the Wisconsin game, which Wisconsin stinks. Again, yeah, then that card's going to get played. Like, it's – I don't know. It's – I should I should have started with this, but again, I'm not going to apologize for being 4-0. I will not apologize for that. You guys should not either. Oh, you, you don't have to tell You me. just want to win games in college football, and until it bites you, then you can face the music. But I just want people to know I'm not a delusional Michigan fan. I'm trying not to come across as a negative Nancy Michigan fan, which I think I am right now. Like, I think people think, Grant, you're just being so negative. They're 4-0, which is – I think someone's going to say that they're 4-0 and have not trailed yet this year, which is the first time since 1973, which is crazy. In, in a good way. And especially you look at this team from last year was two and four already doubled their win total. But I don't know. I had higher standards for this team going into the year. And I think maybe that's why I'm still not just going to let them off the hook and just do, Oh, we're, they're four. No. So everything's good. Like it's not all sunshine and roses and this game exposed that. And then you're going to face better defenses. I think than Rutgers again, I really don't know how good Rutgers is so they could surprise some people and then I'll feel better about it. They play the buck, not but I will not apologize for being 4-0, and I'm going to do my best, do my best, you guys can hold me accountable, to enjoy each win that comes this team's way this year because I know how bad last year was. Michigan State, 23, Nebraska, 20, in the woodshed, under the lights, striped the stadium. My friends and co-hosts were there. What did you guys make of this football game? Um, A sweat fest. Your shirts were sweaty. A sweat fest is an understatement. I think I almost had a heart attack, and I definitely lost like a good ten years off my life based off the second half performance from this game. Go ahead, Alex. I would just say the first half and second half just felt a lot different. They were. Uh, that's my first uh, point. The first half, you know, we weren't running the ball well, but we were having some success through the air. Defense, the defense, all game really was getting pressure on Martinez. I thought they did a great job at D line. There were some broken plays where Martinez would break a tackle or two and get 30 yards. Ben Van Summeren. Yeah, Ben Van Summeren. You got to make some tackles, buddy. Um, also, Ron buddy. Williams, you got to tackle on the sideline or you're going to get pulled again. Like I just, I witnessed you get pulled in this game. Threatening players. Yeah, just got to tackle, man. Got to be fundamentally sound. Back to what I was saying. So, overall, defensive line 
played really well. First half offense moved the ball enough. Would have liked to see them convert in the red zone a little better. And then the second half started, and Dave Warner came out of the uh, the locker room and started calling play. By God, and that's Dave Warner's music. <laughs> the offense just completely just, I, I don't even know how to describe it. I think they went. Hold on, Alex. We've got breaking news here. Um, <laughs> according to the free press, Kalen Gervin and Chase Klein have entered the transfer portal. Well, Kalen Gervin played three snaps. And Chase Klein played. played like six snaps. So it's yeah, I mean, the, when you bring in transfer SEC corners, they're eventually going to take it. One close game in the woodshed and people are jumping ship on Mel Tucker? My college. I'm saying like Chase Klein, all right, good riddance, like goodbye. But Kalen Gervin, you always see depth in your secondary. And for him to leave, it's kind of. You, know, you do say that, Evan. Because he fell to fourth on the depth chart. Get, I'm not saying it's like, what do you want to do, Evan? You're going to complain? Like, is this another Barnett situation? He's a backup. We'll be fine. He's not a backup in some certain. Thank goodness I got off the MSU bandwagon after the Miami game. I I don't. You're one. You're one targeting call away from playing, buddy. Just so you know. Yeah, it's good. I mean, yes, but what are you going to do? Tell the kid he can't transfer. Yes. Yes. Lock him in his dorm. <laughs> I, I just don't know what you want to do. Lock him in his dorm. It's like Mel can't force a guy to stay. And if a guy doesn't want to be here, he doesn't want to be here. No control over his program. Do you want, would you rather Kalen Gervin was starting instead of the other guys that are better than him? Just so that he doesn't no. leave? You know what, Marquis Lowry, take this as your sign. You can never have too much talent on your team. That's fine. Team hurts. But what did you want them? What do you want them to do differently? Contribute somewhere else. Pay them money. Deserve a chance to be on the playing field. Pay them money to stay. (laughs) But back up. What do you want to do to actually keep him if he doesn't want to be here? You think it's Mel's fault? Go ahead. Continue on with your rant. I just wanted to give you breaking news, and I thought you'd be a little bit more shocked about it. You just brushed it off like I didn't even say anything. No, Alex is is brainwashed by Mel Tucker. Anything he does. It's just one of those things like, what can you do to keep him? What are you going to do to keep him? Pay him. (laughs) Pay him. All right. Give him an RB sponsorship. Now, I think Elijah Collins had one. If, I, if Elijah Collins can get an RB sponsorship, then Chase Klein could get sponsored by Chick-fil-A. No one was talking about Chase Klein. No offense, Chase Klein. He played and he looked good. He made a run stop after an injury. He played like four plays. I know. He so, played a lot against Miami. But, you know, Crouch, Crouch flies player. around. When Crouch comes off the field limping like he did, you need a guy to go fill, fill the holes. And it's Agreed. not Ben Van Summer. I'll tell you that. You don't want someone leaving in the middle of the season. However, I don't know what you guys want. You know who else has players leaving in the middle of the season? Ohio State. Sounds like there's some problems going on. Yes. Yeah. Back to the actual. Watch J.J. McCarthy game. transfer out tomorrow. I don't know what I was talking about. I think I was talking about Dave Warner. Yeah, yeah, Dave Warner. I said, by God, it's Dave Warner. Weird, it's ugly head in the second half. Which just means bad run plays. Just, yeah, just no competence. No creativity, no flow. And so all of a sudden, you know, you go three and out five times in a row. Run that stat back. Three and out five times in a row. I think we ran 15 plays in the second half. I think that we had five yards of offense in the second half. I cr- four overtime. I crunched the numbers. You guys had zero first downs and 14 yards in the second half of football. Yeah, that seems right. And one. Yeah, and that gets to <laughs> the final point that, you know, as bad as Michigan State looked and Nebraska outgained us uh, in every category, more first downs, everything, pretty much everything they were better at. 
and we still won the game. So I think that shows a lot that this team, uh, even at their very worst, still found a way to win. That's important. Phenomenal spin zone, Alex. That was A-class stuff, folks. And uh, shout out the special teams. Without Um, it, we would have lost. You know why Michigan State won after all those stats you read off? Because Nebraska blew the game. Because Nebraska has someone with the brain of a peanut coaching their team. They're not a disciplined football team. And he threw all his players under the bus in the press conference, which I kind of sneaky love that he just went full heel and said, we coach them, but we can't force them to do things right. But when your team has that many disgusting false starts and penalties, I got to think something is on the coaching staff and your punter's that bad. And punter was terrible. maybe he did tell them don't kick to Jaden Reed anymore. And if he did and the guy, the kid still did, then you need to cut him and get rid of it. But like, it makes me think you didn't tell the kid not to punt to Jaden Reed, which would have been my first thing I would have told someone after probably just watching film, probably not even after one return, which there was multiple before the touchdown. Probably like, hey, you know what? We're just not going to kick the number one tonight. I'd rather take a penalty on kickoff every time and they can start like the 35 or the 40, whatever it is. Honestly, like it, a joke. Yeah, Nebraska well, did have two separate punters. They both one punch had four attempts and one had three attempts. So who's the kid that shanked multiple, like out of bounds, like forty yards maximum? Who who needs to know his name, honestly? Pritstep, Cerny, could have been. I mean, it's either of them. I don't know which one did it, but Evan, let's get some takeaways from you. Um, first half we did look all right. You know, the interception was horrendous. Was then we had a oh yeah turnover on. Did he just not see him? I think he just. I think he was used to like oh yeah he's gonna be down there he's gonna be open and he just threw it up. He threw that to the um, moon into the, the middle of the field. Yes. It wasn't even. I saw the ball going up. I thought it was a punt. I thought I, thought Rocky, I missed something and we punted. I thought Rocky was starting for a second. I don't know. I think he just got all jazzed up by the woodshed. <laughs> um, um, so first drive we moved the ball a little bit in four plays average four yards second drive we had ten plays didn't move the ball as well but we had a turnover on downs um, oh, that was a bad call where we were in field goal range Although for there on we punted 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 flea flicker scored a touchdown flea we flicker had you nice drives at the end of the first half and we missed a field goal, got it blocked because of a bad snap. You can't have that happen. Um, it hurts. That could have been a disaster. That was like the end. That yes. could have been returned. I they watched were, it back. I don't think they would have returned it. But they, well, I was trying to say is my point was they were there so early that they could have almost like caught it or also punched it so far that could have easily scooped and scored, but they kind of just panicked. But, like, I've never seen someone there that early and then still block it. Like, usually the guy just gets tackled at that, that point. But Behringer's just got to catch that and lay down. I, mean, I don't know why Coglin attempted that off one foot. He should have just moved away and laid down. Behringer tried to pull it at, as Coglin kicked it. So it was a giant mess as I watched that back. Is Connor Hayward Michigan State's third best skill player? No. Well, he did win the award, what, two years ago? Three years ago? Two to years know ago? Him. That he was the most versatile. I wrote that down in the game. Player in the college football. Third best? Yep. No. Ranked the skill players. Kenneth? Yep. Kenneth. Jaden. Jalen. Trey. See, I don't know. Jalen Jalen had a nice Miami game, but he didn't show me much in Big Ten play. Connor Hayward's a unit. <laughs> he's good. In an I'm not saying he's not a good. He had one player. highlight reel. But like Come you're on. just Evan. blinded by him 
putting his ball-side guy's shoulder and then blowing over someone. I strictly judge it based on interactions we get on Twitter from set highlights, and that one did numbers. Therefore, yeah, I think sweet. Connor Hayward is the third best skill position player on Michigan That's State's a terrible team. Take. That it's is a, actually a terrible, it's a terrible, terrible usage by Mark Antonio. I'll say it. What I do you have mean? no allegiance to him. Put him as his featured starting running back and give him the ball <laughs> twenty times a game. But when a guy's and got, when a guy's got, I said a terrible usage by Mark Antonio. At least he was touching the ball every play. But when you have a guy with hands of Skippy peanut butter, you got to get that guy out catching passes. I mean, the ball. We didn't want to run in just sweeps to the boundary, so we couldn't do much. Um, offense looked bad, but that was also play calling, um, not being able to get like rhythm going forward. Curtis mm-hmm. in Nebraska, they actually have like a top uh, like forty defense in the country. They got some talent. Um, As all, team all, talent composite, twenty four seven told us they just aren't coached well. <laughs> yeah, they had. Um, but defensively, I mean, keep it there, keep it positive. We did win the game. Xavier Henderson, star of the show, 17 tackles, 10 solo with a tackle for a loss. He's a captain on the defense. We had seven sacks and 11 tackles for lost. Um, and Punishuk, our defensive end, we lost Beasley. Punishuk stepped up. He had seven total tackles, two sacks, two tackles for a loss. He had a pass rush grade of 94.1. Highest in the PFF era. He had 14 pressures on the day. You guys are still on PFF after the Only when they're good stats. Graphics don't hurt me because PFF puts in so many stats into like the composite scores that's not just like touchdowns and interceptions. So I just yeah. I, the PFF kind of flows with the wind. I'm guilty of it too. Some so of I, it sucks. Some of it's good. I don't know. I I would love to know what they're really doing. I would love to see the actual calculations of what I'm looking at. We'll have to get other Austin just, Gale back on the phone and do a day in the office. Other than just 92 grade, like wow, that's good. But what does that actually mean? I don't know. I do not know. But yeah. Punishuk had a great game, Evan. I agree. After looking poopy the first two games. Does this stat line concern you? No. Okay. <laughs> what stat line are we looking at? Michigan State, 30 rushing attempts, 71 yards, 2.4 per carry. Nebraska, 49 rush attempts, 187 yards, 3.8 per carry. Nothing like crazy on Nebraska's end. I'm not saying that because um, it's still a low per carry. But... I was kind of surprised at how easily they were able to shut down and neutralize Kenneth Walker. Obviously, it's going to be a case of people making adjustments in the future, not people key on him. And also, more so on the defensive side of Alex, you guys know how to split up, but you, one of your things you felt like that you knew already was Michigan State's going to stop the run. And obviously, a lot of those rushing stats are from the quarterback, Martinez, but does the 187, does that alarm you at all from like Nebraska? Because obviously, there's going to be better Big Ten teams that you face in the year that run the football? No. I would say no, because like you said, it is the quarterback run game that it, you look at what other teams are going to have quarterback run games. And a lot of Nebraska's rushing is different from most of the teams. Speed option. Like Michigan's yeah. a generic. Yeah. They yeah, are a option. read option, triple option, get on the ball on the perimeter. So well, I mean, credit to them, but now you have to make the solo tackle in space. A lot of times we did it, but half the time we did it. So I'm not too worried about it. Like the yards per carry is what I, I kind of look at. And I mean, when they possess the ball more often than we do, we they have a better chance to like run off a couple of long ones. Michigan State defense. That's only hit 19 carries and we only had 15 plays in the second half. Michigan State defense was on the field so much. It's hard to like, I mean, they had to be gassed. They were on the field the entire second half. And 
when you think about the quarterback scrambles, Martinez had 45 on one play. And they've also had him wrapped up in the backfield multiple times, and we just missed a tackle, and he breaks out for 15, 20 yards. So if the tackling improves a little bit, I don't think that will continue. And also Martinez, for as much slack and grief as he gets, mainly from the Mitten Money podcast, he is a good runner. He's very athletic. He's not terrible. He can't throw that well, no. but he can run the ball, and he's a good runner. So it's a different kind of preparation for him. He makes impossible plays look easy and makes easy plays look impossible. Yes. Adrian he has not so. the athleticism and skills to be good. Now, on the offensive part, does that alarm you at all? No. The offensive line the, the offensive line was more of the issue. It wasn't Kenneth's fault. Um, Nebraska's defensive line is good. I would safely can say that they look good. They've looked good against us, Michigan State, and Oklahoma. And they they have some dudes up front. Um, the, what is a little concerning is our offensive line had no push. And usually throughout the game, you'd think that they'd start to get a little bit, and they just did not. They kind of looked like they just kind of quit. So I wasn't thrilled with that. But I think long-term, they'll be fine. Nebraska might have a better defensive line than most that will play uh, coming up. Um, I would say question for CERN. It didn't look like we adjusted very well. With previous games, we looked like we had offensive adjustments in the second half. Uh, maybe it's a lack of focus coming into Nebraska and underestimating them. So not the best. Um, and it, then Thorne didn't look as fast like he was. I mean, he didn't one touchdown, one interception. He missed some easy ones, too. kind of saw him a little bit more calmer under the pocket in the previous games. This one, he was a little bit rattled. He missed a couple of throws late in the game, especially the second-to-last drive or our last drive we had offensive on offense. It was a first-down play, and Jalen Naylor ran like an eight, ten-yard out, and he missed him so far to his inside, to the middle of the field, when the ball needs to be thrown on the sideline. A question concern, but... It felt like after the pick, his confidence was a little shaken. Never really got it back. And he he didn't have his security blanket Kenneths to get 200 yards rushing. So it came fell more on his shoulders, and you could tell it got to him a little bit. But that comes with experience. It's actually spooky that like how similar the Michigan Michigan State games were this weekend. Like when you're talking about, I'm just like reliving it. And honestly, I would say for both teams, I do like have one eyebrow like raised the as the Big Ten season progresses with being able to run the ball. Cause I would have thought like especially the way what you said, Alex, like, okay, Nebraska beats you up a little bit in the first half, but then you kind of lean on them in the second. And in Michigan's case, they leaned on Rutgers in the first half and then weren't able to continue it. So I think it just illuminates the point we all kind of know deep down that unless you really are like a generational offensive line with a generational running back like Wisconsin's on the Big Ten, the whole just like pounding it, pounding it, pounding it, you can't bank on. Like you have to be able to win games with with your main guy rushing for less than, you know, 75 to 100 yards. And they both did, schools did pull it out this weekend but I think the the teams they beat are mid mid tier in the Big Ten. So to get into that upper echelon, gotta get more creative with play calling and figure out ways to you know. I just feel like I watch too many teams; they just play it so safe. You know, I, to myself, I I would love to let 
Coach Harbaugh get locked into a room with Andy Reid for a whole offseason and just like let Andy Reid show him how like to be aggressive and just go try to win games. Doesn't even make sense too, because like the clip goes viral of John Harbaugh being like, let's go for it. John Harbaugh goes for it all the time. Why does that not carry down to Jim? Why is the ap- aggressive play calling not carried down? And I'm sure there's times in the Michigan State game where you're wondering, like, why are we playing like not to lose in Nebraska instead of to go out and beat Nebraska? I will give him credit. The flea flicker, the flea flickers are played. Let's go win. Let's go beat Nebraska. Let's just do it. Let's just take the chance. And now pe- losers can make fun of them by, like, oh, you have to use a trick play to win. Like, I would love to hit a flea flicker touchdown every game. Are you kidding me? Like, why would you not run it until it's like stopped against people? There's nothing to lose in it unless you like fumble it, say, like the Lions did <laughs> or get an incomplete pass. But I just feel like that's a mini rant of just observation is too many coaches play like, let's just suck time of possession and just try to lean on people and just go like win, be creative and just try to win games. We should also credit Rutgers in Nebraska. I mean, I don't think those teams are that bad. And I think they'll end up beating some of Michigan, both of them. I agree. Michigan State also, just my last point, they offensively played about as bad as I think I could have expected. In the second half, for sure. And they they still won. So like as bad as we're talking, we do need to be grateful they are 4-0 and they get Western Kentucky and that should help, you know, Get the off. Each of you guys say it. Say it. Say what? We we don't apologize. I don't apologize for being four and zero at all. There it is, Evan. Get off. No, your I mind. don't apologize for being four. We don't apologize for being four and zero. That's probably the title of this podcast. I won't. shout out Chester Kimbrough from I'm the nervous. game ceiling pick. You got to score that man. It would have been electric. One other note that you guys would not have. Yeah, I, was, I told Alex, like, I've never seen a game actually end on a pick six in overtime. Like, usually they always get tackled. I don't think I've ever seen it actually cribbed. I and thought he was going. Actually, alarming it wasn't cribbed because it was like eight people in front of him. I did watch it back. He was chased down by an O-lineman. Knew it. Martinez Shut did get an illegal yep. tackling attempt. He <laughs> slid down at the legs. But when yeah, he did that, that, it was actually on that play. I was thinking of a different play. The old lineman. When he did that, moving. Kimbrough crossed over, and that crossover allowed enough time for Big 51 to just full out sprawl, and he caught his shoelace. I mean, honestly, out. any illegal thing you do on that play is worth it to keep him out of the end zone because then they just go back to the 25 or whatever like they yeah, have to no, do. No, it was super smart to just throw your body in. I was so hoping we got down to those new OT rules and we're just doing two point conversion offs in the third. That would have been so sweaty. Brent, I, I remember you saying that because I remember the rule creating, like, oh, that, you know, is it really going to apply to me? And then we had those overtime oh rules and you said it, and I was just standing in there. I'm like, as soon as we get to third overtime, it is literally a two point conversion fest and i don't think i can take it i w- i would think yeah. like h- half the student section there would like have been buzzed enough like what's going on why is it only two-point conversions i don't think anyone would have known no <laughs> there would have been I, people was, thinking- I was shaking in my boots just thinking about like oh my god this is going to come down to two-point conversions i can't i can't do it <laughs> oh, my god. oh i have a mini rant also it's gonna be super fast it's like two sentences <laughs> okay six Six or five minutes left in the game, half of Spartan Stadium was getting up and leaving. And it's just like traffic. Michigan State fans are the worst. They like, didn't fill out the stadium. I was screaming. Was I was like, I hope you season. guys beat the traffic, man. So you missed the rest of this game. We're down seven points with six minutes left. All you have to do is get a stop here and you get the ball back. No, everyone was just dipping. And they're like, no. They just wanted to see a first down. They said, you know, if we get a first down, I'll stay. Why Why do you come to the game to not see the end? Michigan fans, the whole student section basically left too at some point at halftime. So people don't go. Uh, I guess it'd be a hat tip. Just buy nosebleeds and then move your way down during games because everyone leaves. Um, two other quick things from this game that I wrote down more goofy, I'd say. Uh, and one's a serious question, but you guys didn't get to see it. 
because you're in the stadium. But I think I have a theory that Mel Tucker threatened the broadcast team, Mark Helfrich and company, and like Carl Porvis or something, threatened them in the in the meeting during the week that hey guys, um, we're calling our stadium the woodshed now, and you're going to shove it down people's throats. Did they, <laughs> did they really overemphasize it on the broadcast? Five at no, least five times. They're like, all right, the woodshed is rocking. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh, this is oh. so cringy. Like it's just forced. It's here to stay. To someone's credit, that flag that made the rounds on Spartan Twitter of that old flag, that someone had that in the front row. So they did zoom in on that on the camera. So it made you think, okay, maybe this is actually a movement. But like the amount of like third down and then Mark Hubbard's like, you can feel the woodshed coming alive. And he's like, oh my God, <laughs> like stop, shut your mouth, stop talking. I'm guessing it's going to continue. <laughs> no, but I just love the picture of Mel Tucker sitting there like, no, it's where our stadium's gonna called now. going to say the woodshed on like the 35 yard line. <laughs> it's where our stadium's called now. Also, it was a little diss when you guys play Rutgers. Shiano might be in your face because like that whole chop thing, like that, he started that at Rutgers. That was Shiano. So they might have some exchanges there. We're not scared for leaders. Really? No. Hey. Whoa. You guys, you guys lost them last year. Vengeance. Couldn't be my team. Runner revenge. Survived Rutgers. Um, last question here. Put your thinking caps on. Of all the things you've liked so far about Mel Tucker, all the positives, um, you know, people he's brought in, transfer portal, rebranding, uniforms. What is the single best and most important thing he's done for Michigan State? Jesus. <laughs> it's obvious. Wrote, hit me as I was watching the game, wrote it down. It's probably what's going to separate him through his tenure there so far if he keeps. Is, he, is yours like a dumb thing? No. I think, it's, I think it's actually the most important thing he's done through what I've seen this season. You're going to say uniforms? No. No. That doesn't matter. I didn't think so either. That's why I said it that. has to be taking a chance and identifying the talent at Western Michigan that was Jaden Reed. That was Mark D'Antonio. Mark D'Antonio got him. Well, there goes that question. Shout out Mark D'Antonio. Because that, honestly, the fact go. That, that you went into Western and any school probably could have had a chance to go after this kid, this kid should have been. He was this kid, Mac freshman. This kid year. could be this kid could be Jalen Waddle at Alabama, honestly. The talent level there is unbelievable. And the He's fact sweet. that I, I sound like an idiot, but I guess it illuminates the fact that people should be nicer to Mark Antonio when they get all over, head over heels for Mel Tucker. Yeah. Just he, respect uh, Mark Antonio for that fine. Because that guy is single handedly like saving and winning multiple football games this season so far. I think that's the only player Mark Antonio ever got out of the portal. That's stunning. I didn't even know that it was Mark D'Antonio. I just assumed and he never played. Or he got more players, not not of not starters. I just assumed Keith Nickel, portal. Keith Nickel, backup quarterback. Keith Nickel went to receiver. Oklahoma to play quarterback and came to Michigan State. Yeah, because he didn't win the job there. He's lost to Sam Bradford, and then he lost to Kirk Cousins. Unbelievable! Uh, that kid's unbelievable. Yeah, he's good. Pushing for to be the best skill player on the team, honestly, if he keeps going. I think people can't just all of a sudden fall asleep and forget Kenneth Walker exists because no, he had a one bad, bad, but 61 yards. Nebraska was not scared. I'll tell you that. that, that was it, it doesn't help. Kenneth can't break a tackle when 11 guys are in his face. As The offensive line has to do something. And Sorry about Dan Reed, but um, Evan's roommate in front of the program, Luke, had a nice tweet that Jane Reed needs more Big Ten attention. Not only that, but national attention. And I can get behind it. Unbiased, college football analyst, good is good. It's unbelievable. 
Um, but you also can't punt the one and you can't like get faked out by Jalen Naylor thinking that he's going to catch it. And it's just, that's embarrassing. Uh, Alex, you have rumor mill seven of the week. Would you like to do one? No, 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 rumor mill. the whole show is sponsored by codes apparel. Oh, remind, we'll get to, we'll, we'll plug the woodshed merch towards the end too, as well. But for now we can move to the football previews, which again, are usually quicker in length people. So bear with us here. I'm going to call an audible and do Michigan State versus Western Kentucky first. Um, you know, I see. I appreciate you putting it in there. I, I was a little busy. It was just where it was. So the you line. said the line moved. The line opened for Michigan State minus eight. Yep. The it's line ten and a half now. You told me the line moved to ten and a half, which probably feels, in my opinion, more right for a game like this. Um, the over under is a whopping, whopping fifty nine. Nice jinx. Um, 7.30 p.m. BTN. We do not do... Update. Updates on Fox Sports 1 now. Whoa. Really? It's on Fox Sports 1. Interesting. I'll tee it up to you guys for preview of this game. It's homecoming as well. I need to get a couple... I need to get a screen pulled up here for Western Kentucky so I have at least something to add to this conversation. They They lost to Army and they lost to Indiana. And they blew out a terrible team. Yeah, I feel like that's a little, like overlooking it they lost army by a couple and they lost indiana by a couple however they scored late against indiana to make that closer than it really was it's about a 10 point game the most of the game as someone that watched the highlights uh western kentucky averages 41.7 points per game but they are giving up 30 per game houston Um, baptist transfer averaging 426 passing yards their leading rusher has 82 total rushing yards on the year they're not going to run total it. rushing yards on the year. Evan, they back do up, not run the ball. To back up your stat, the, the passing yards is third in the country with 515 yards per game being 20th. Points is 41.7, like you said, tied for 14th. And third down percentage, a whopping 57.78 in the country. I think you guys are going to be facing like a modern air raid, like fun. I would consider fun and exciting offense, which will be a vi- Like I'm actually intrigued to watch this game. Um, when most people maybe would look at this and think it's like eh, boring, whatever. I told Alex before the season, I stand by that now. I do think this is a scary game. If you're a Michigan State fan, this is a scary game. It's obviously um, on the Grants power. Well, as now the show is must win power index ranking, which is the best post shout out Michigan Sports has ever had on Instagram. Shout out to us, Alex, for brainstorming the idea and we're working it through with our sh- heads. This is obviously a must win. This is even a fire upon loss. I'd go that far. Um, obviously, it's not a obviously, fire obviously, you wouldn't fire everyone upon the loss. I cannot. But like, extreme. you wouldn't fire everyone upon a loss, but you'd feel like you'd want everyone fired in the moment. Like, it'd be super embarrassing to lose to Western Kentucky. Now, I would honestly say, just before we continue, I would rather lose to Western Kentucky than lose to Nebraska because it's a non-conference game. I can safely say that that is not a feels loser. like a loser mentality. We're not going to lose to Western Kentucky. I think this team is going to give Michigan State fits. I think this reminds me very similarly of a game I saw in person at Spartan Stadium, Utah State. Um, that was 2018. That team was 11 and 1. That was a shootout. The quarterback, Jordan Love. That was a shootout game. I just think this is going to be like a track meet, hence the over under. I'm a little worried about it. Evan, what do you think about this game? Um, it is going to be a track meet. They're going to try to throw the ball all over the place. Pressure, secondary, but Western Kentucky's defense is not very good. Granted, some of these stats are skewed because they did face Army. Um, so, like, their total rushing yards allowed per game is 224, and they're 
Uh, yards allowed per game is 439. That's defensively for them. So their defense isn't very good. Offensively, it's going to be a powerhouse. So the over-under, you said 59 and a half. 59 even. Oh, I got 59 and a half. I might have to hammer the over. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, can our secondary, now our depleted secondary, can <laughs> we withstand the fast-paced <laughs> <laughs> the fast pace offense, we'll be able to. We're 100% more athletic than them. Yeah, I would just say my main points here, Michigan State is more athletic than this team. Uh, I think the defensive line, if it plays anywhere near it did against Nebraska, it will help take the burden off our now inexperienced secondary. And number three, Kenneth might run just absolutely wild over this team. I think the offense might score every drive. They're going to give up points, and it's going to go over. But I'm going to just give my prediction now. I'll, you want to give me. No, I mean, I'll say this. I felt better about this game for Michigan State after seeing the Army results. But then you have to remember that, like, Army is for now. is a game plan that's like a nightmare, and they're just going to run over. And if you don't have a strong run defense, then you're screwed. They, they only gave up 33 to Indiana. Indiana's and, you know, offense hasn't been great this year. No. I'm not saying they are, but that's a Big Ten team. I would say that I know they scored late, but the Indiana score, final score, makes me a little bit more nervous for this game than I was after seeing the Army score. What do you guys, I think there's a clear, clear key to a game in a game like this. Any ideas of turnovers? Yes. Nailed it, Alex. Because Western's can, Western Kentucky, like you said, is going to struggle to get stops. The only thing that makes a team – but that's what makes this game nervous when a team can actually put up points at the lower level. If they just get one fluke fumble in, their, in your guys' red zone or a pick six or a special teams play, it make, it shifts the balance of the game and it makes things pretty, pretty nervous. Yeah, um, and I don't think that is going to occur. And Michigan, like – like uh, Michigan State, like Michigan, has been phenomenal with turnovers. Uh, I sh- there surely will no- be no turnovers from them in this game. They'll hold on to the rock and, and protect it. So should be fine there. Uh, my, my last point is Indiana scored the first six possessions they had. They scored every single possession in the first half. Indiana yeah. did. And I test, Michigan State's better than Indiana. Breaking Evan Camus' eye test. Like I said, the, the score of the Indiana-Western Kentucky game is close. As someone who saw it... The highlights. It wasn't that close. The highlights. Western Kentucky was never like in a position to win the football games. 49-21. 49-28. Give me your score. Must win. 49-28. 49-28 must win. Got it. Must win. What'd you say, Alex? How many points you say we scored? A lot. 49-28. Oh, okay. I'll say 42 to 29. Two-point conversion. Yep, sure. What was your seven? 42-29. Michigan State. Hold on to your bumps. Grant's got a I think he version. just went and found the Utah State score. I think that's almost exactly the same. Really? No, I did not. I have 39-31. So Crouch is going to bat a ball up in the air and catch himself on the interception in the last That track. team also I mean, No, because he's not Joe Bocci. Seven and five in the winter. Uh, Nobody's Joe Bocci. No. 39-31, and this is like, I'm going to put my face on the divider line between must win and fire everyone upon loss. Which is a, a super extreme. You guys will be kind of tucked in must win. Mark D'Antonio lost to Central Michigan, and if we would have fired him, we would have never gone to the playoff or in the Rose Bowl or anything. So that would just be so extreme. I would never go to that extreme. 
And Michigan State beat Utah State 38-31. So I'm pretty sure you looked it up. I did not. I had no idea. I just remember it was nerve-wracking. And then people, you guys were so spooked on a Friday night that no one went out to the bar with me except Cody and I went and walked around and tried to find a house party and we didn't find anything. It was a bust, but we at least tried. Also, that team finished the year ranked 20. Jordan Love, baby. We did not finish. They were like the Phoenix Suns 50 seconds to the left offense. They just got the only the loss I think they had was us. And then they're both. What happened, Evan? I'm previewing. I'm sorry. I'm looking up stats for our next preview, and I'm just just mind blown on some of these stats right now. <laughs> I can't wait to hear them. So, yeah. Which one of your faces, based on Al's, Wait, Evan, is your face going to be closer to mine on the graphic? Because I can't put you guys like equally on top of each other. You'd be closer to my face. On Evan is here. not firing. You can move me below. Uh, I'm not firing. You're 50 50. No, I wouldn't go to the all the way to the 50 50. But if you have to move me, you can move me towards the 50 50. <laughs> Got We're going to I'm win. a solid must-win game because you're 4-0. It's a non-conference. In the woodshed, you better win. I agree it's a must-win, but if someone has to move, I will move down. What was your weight? I mean, I'll find I'll find a coach to blame if we do lose. That We would not fire everybody, but fire somebody. I'll find a coach to blame. Love My weight weight was Evan. Fire somebody upon loss. <laughs> no, we don't do announcers for BTN. We're Fox Sports 1. No, that's right. Same guys as last week. Yep, run it back. That's, that's so it. boring for them. Oh my god, that's gotta be terrible. No, I I think they did Helfrich because they kept talking about how him and Scott Frost are buddies because they coach together. So they might do different, but I don't. We don't have to get into the weeds, but it's just no, no. You can keep. They're not because they're not going to have it. Probably Scott Frost was his offensive coordinator at Michigan's game. Obvious. Michigan big noon kickoff. Michigan plus one according to the big noon kickoff. Plus one, according to Alex, at Wisconsin, 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. kickoff Central. their time, which is big for this game. Fox, we're a big time pod- podcast when it comes big to Big kickoff! <laughs> Over under 44 in all you can Big Ten football buffet. Oh, <laughs> hammer the under. The Big Ten. Big noon kickoff, man. What do you guys, what do you guys think when you look at this game? This game's going to be... Thomas said a bad word. This game's going to be disgusting. So gross. I don't even think I even want to watch it. I think it's going to be three to nothing final. I love that for Michigan's chance. It's going to be puke in your mouth gross. Like just nasty. As Mel Tugger said something about double mouth guards. It's going to be a nasty football game where you don't know who's good after it. You just were like, wow, that game was mentally draining. Or Wisconsin will blow them out again like they do all the time. That's not Jonathan true. Taylor's not in the back. They do not blow simply, them out all the time. Simply just giving you a chop, man. I'm sorry. I think um, I think it's two stats to back up the fact that this game's going to be boring. Um, <laughs> let's see. Passing yards per game. Michigan, 164. Wisconsin, 197. Uh, and let's see. Cade has three passing touchdowns on the year. That's it. Um, Graham Mertz has one passing touchdown and six interceptions on the year. He's really good. Six. Yeah, he's good. They both have right around the same yards. Okay, now breaking down rushing. Okay, Michigan's at 290. Uh, Wisconsin's at 202. Okay. Um, Teams that they've played, I would say Wisconsin's faced a couple harder opponents than Michigan has. Asterisk there, though. Um, yards allowed defensively, passing yards, 
Um, about the same 171 to 187 rushing yards. Here is the thing that I just could not believe. Crazy. Michigan's only given up 133 solid for a football program. 133 per game. No matter what this playing is pretty solid. I just Wisconsin is averaging giving up 25 per game. Third in the country. Who's better than 25. that? 25. Say that again. Evan, I see 23. Wisconsin's yards allowed. Rushing. Rush yards allowed per game is 25. 25. They only gave up, point six, zero they only gave up 65 Michigan to Notre Dame. So <laughs> <laughs> Jim Leonard is one of the best defensive coordinators like in the country. I want him as head coach. No cap, I want him as head coach um, at Michigan. It, like... I, I this game I, I said three nothing. I mean it's so Evan, line Ky- up pretty well. To illuminate that, Kywin Williams, widely regarded as one of the best running backs in the country. We can all agree on that. 18 attempts, 43 yards, 1.8 per carry against Wisconsin at Soldier Field. Yikes. Yeah, which is neutral site. It's like half crowd, half not. There was a lot of red there, it sticks out. Um it's mind blowing. You are effed. You are Michigan. Now, what makes you positive it's good. is that Notre Dame had to bring in a backup quarterback, Drew Pine, a freshman. He was a four-star. I looked him up on 247. I go, what is this? And Pine Cone. Pine Cone. Yeah. Pretty good there. You know? Evan, you get that one? Jack Cone. Jack Cone. Drew Pine. Pine Cone. Thanks, guys. P-Y-N-E, not actual Pine. Um, he came in and went a smooth six for eight for 81 and a touchdown, which can give you hope that, you know, an inexperienced quarterback came in and was able to find success against Wisconsin's secondary. J.J. McCarthy. So if I'm going to – well, that actually just gets me jazzed. I wasn't even thinking that, but I was thinking maybe Cade can find some success because maybe this Wisconsin secondary is not solid. Um, let me double-check that with their passing yards per game. 187.3 per game. That's actually not that bad. They're just a solid defensive unit um, and an atrocious offensive unit, which is why this overrunner is at it is. I really don't know. I have – Obviously, last time we played Wisconsin was nightmares. And uh, another stat that you may want to plug here is if you have Michigan fans that are kids. Um, it's a little one of those skewed ones. Like, it just sounds crazy when you say it. But when you dig into the numbers, it's not as, cr- as crazy. So, Michigan has not won at Camp Randall since 2001. And they won. See, Evan goes crazy. One in five. One in five overall in that time because you don't play there all the time. You only played there That's six still times. Five losses. So in those games, 2001 was 20 to 17. Then in 2005 was 23 to 20. Wisconsin win. These are all Wisconsin wins now. 2007, 37 to 21. Some points in that one. 2009 was 45 to 24. 2017 was 24 to 10. And then 2019 was 35 to 14. So in the beginning of that, it was a little bit more closer. Um, and then it gets more lopsided. This feels like the 20... If it's going to be a Michigan win, it's going to be like this score in 2016 at Michigan. It was 14 to seven. That was the Jordan Lewis um, interception game. It could be like that. Like, I don't see, I, I struggle to see these teams breaking 24 points. I feel like 24 is a max amount of points for a team in this game. Yep. I'd be stunned if it was over 17 for either team. And I don't want 17. Yeah. I don't want... It's going to be gross. I don't want Michigan fans... Uh, yeah, if you look at Penn State, it was 16 to 10. I don't want Michigan fans to be like, oh, Wisconsin stinks because of that Notre Dame score. That Notre Dame score, it might be one of the more fraudulent scores in the country, at least in my opinion. It was 
Uh, Wisconsin was winning 13 to 10 in the fourth. And then somehow, someway, Notre Dame scores 31 points Couple of in the fourth quarter. They have a kick return for a touchdown. They have a pick six, like you said, Alex. I mean, everything. Another pick in the territory. Everything that could have gone crazy in that game in the fourth went crazy in Notre Dame's favor. So that's a kind of a fraudulent blowout, I would say. Um, but I guess you have to hope, Michigan. I, I do think. They haven't really had a massive play like that yet. A special teams play like Michigan State had or a you know classic pick six or fumble in their, in their territory would go a long, long way in this game. So again, you can play the turnover card. Could be a huge factor in this game because possessions are going to be limited, in my opinion. Yeah. Do you guys have anything else really about? I'm just trying to think who I want to pick. Um, one note of concern I didn't get to. It also, I want to briefly mention that. For Michigan State fans, you should monitor the Drew Beasley injury. Um, they were talking that's, that seems to be a big deal. It's not going to hopefully matter as much in the Western Kentucky game. I will tell you this injury-wise for Michigan, Josh Ross's health, Michigan's like sixth, fifth-year starting linebacker. Um, anyone that watched the Rutgers game knows as soon as he went out in that game with a shoulder injury that and he wanted to go back in the game with the training staff would not let him. Things went downhill. They got more leaky in the defense. Um, they eventually scrapped it together with duct tape and made enough stops. But if Josh Roth, Josh Ross needs to be healthy in this game to take on the big boy blockers of Wisconsin and kind of plug the middle of the defense there. I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously, like Evan said, Jonathan Taylor is not walking through that door. I don't think they have a Quintez Cephas on their team. So I, and Mertz has been susceptible. He looked great against Michigan last year, uh, but he's been susceptible this year. So I think he's a little bit different of a quarterback. I'm not going to fear him as much. But then again, Michigan hasn't had many interceptions this year. So you're going to have to find a way to get some turnovers in this game and have good special teams play. And for the love of all that is good, you have to run plays to the edges. I don't know. That's my key to the game. Run plays to the edges. Sounds like a fourth grader came up with it, but that's my key. Get the ball in A.J. Henning's hands. Run play action slant routes to Roman Wilson. Don't be afraid to take a deep shot on a post route. If it gets picked, it's an arm punt, whatever. I'll forgive it. I watched Denard Robinson do it for four years. It's fine. We'll get over it. Um, but for the love of all that is good, please, please, please do not just try to beat this team in the A-gap. It's not going to work. And this, again, we'll know. We'll know if if it's seven years of the same thing and it's someone else's fault and not firing gas into the sun based on this play calling in this game. I'm actually very fascinated to see it. But I have a feeling it's going to go terribly for me. Pretty uh- Oh. Gus Johnson, Joel Clapp. Well, we just take an easy one. Guarantee. <laughs> also, they just keep showing Justin Tucker making the field goal. They just showed it three times. So that was 11 a.m. start time is crucial because Wisconsin fans love to drink the students so that it will not be busy or it'll not be full in the stadium early. You'll be like, why aren't all the fans there? Another key to the game, jump on Wisconsin early. Jump on the Badgers early when the stadium is not full. Do not hang around so when they do the fourth quarter jump around and I want to crawl under a blanket into a hole because things are turning the wrong way. Get on them early. That's my message to the team. My final message. Predictions and final message and must win. History tells me that this is a loss for Michigan. Okay. A, a Harbaugh history tells me, you know, they're just going to come out and it's not going to be good. And they're going to lose the first important game of the season on their schedule. Washington was important. Yeah, we don't apologize for being four zero. So they lost to an FCS team, and it lost its loss. I think my, I think my Michigan, my Washington, Miami were really bad. Take is looking great. 
Miami won sixty nine to nothing against the Sisters of the Blind. So nice, they won. Give me a um, nice. In terms of the must win, it's a must win. It's not fire. If based on the circumstances, you could probably say it's fireable, but I'll just go must win. And then for a score, I'm going seventeen thirteen Michigan. I think they eke it out. I that feels like an emotional hedge bet. I I don't know. I really have no clue. Wisconsin's looked like poop. Michigan hasn't played anyone. I think Wisconsin's offense is going to be better than Rutgers, but then again, is it? Mm. I don't know. Rutgers at least had some like playmakers and like fancy play calling. I know Wisconsin's defense is going to be good. I know Wisconsin's offensive line should be decent. I think I will go with Michigan though. Just because, you know, this is if Wisconsin was ranked, Michigan loses. They're not ranked, Michigan wins. Harbaugh's great against unranked teams. What a cherry mm. picks that since they were ranked <laughs> last week. I knew that was going to happen when they were losing. Um, I was looking at a team like, is it 50 50 or is it must win? But I'm going to say it's a must win solely because Wisconsin is not ranked the way they've looked so far. Um, not fair to them. They had picked Penn State the first game of the year. Um, however, if you are going to Camp Randall. I say it's a must win that way because if Michigan thinks they're top of the Big E, Big Ten East, then they need to win games that they're supposed to. And right now, I test Michigan looks like a tad bit better than Wisconsin. Green yeah. assault. Though. I mean, this but I have awesome. Wisconsin still winning it solely because the game's on the road in Camp Randall. Um, I have Wisconsin winning 16 to 14. Yeah. Such a gross. This is going to be such a gross game. I don't even think I'm going to watch it. Michigan. I'm such a. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> Michigan 20. Wisconsin 17. Fire everyone upon a loss. I mean, I want. I wanted a regime change after the Indiana loss last year. I watched our doors get blown off. Their doors get blown off against Wisconsin under the lights last year in an empty big house. One of the spookier, like depressing scenes I've ever seen watching college football. And it's like, I hear, I hear my friends run around in the yard prancing. Oh, Mel Tucker beats ranked teams on the road, underdog on the road. Harbaugh's O for a million doing that. It's got to change. It's got to change at some point. Or it's like, what's, what's even the point? Because you're going to be underdogs in several games this year. And if Wisconsin looked good, I'd feel differently. Wisconsin looks like butt. Wisconsin's butt. Forget Buckers. It's more like, apply that to Wisconsin. The butt, the butchers. The Wisconsin butchers. <laughs> that that kind of landed. That was kind of a shaky landing. But when you have a Wisconsin team down, obviously, I'm not stupid. Wisconsin's going to be coming out with their hair on fire because they just got... You know, th- talk Ray, about. You know what you like to talk about. Desperation. desperation. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say that. I Alex. would like to change my pick. How desperate is Wisconsin? Their season's on the line. They have two losses. But are I they broken? Are they broken? I think they're super desperate. I'm changing my pick. Breaking news 17 13 Badgers. Still a must win or a 50 50? Still a must win. But yeah, you just the desperation. That that's that's what I needed to flip. You can't you can't lose to Big Ten teams when they're down in down years. And this I'm declaring this a down year for Wisconsin. And if you're going to be good, and again, this is with obviously if you're one of those soft Michigan fans or writers, it's like oh seven and five would be a great step for this team this year. Then of course it's going to be a, multiple people 
were like, who would say that? Multiple people were like, or expected seven and five or eight and four expected. In year seven, you're rebuilding? I don't think so. Well, let's not change the narrative, Alex. Going into the season, Michigan was not supposed to win much more than seven or eight games. That's just a fact. That's what all the projections if were. If we were also going based on that, Wisconsin, this would be a no-brainer. Wisconsin win. Before the season, yep. you told me Wisconsin was going to blow out Penn State in week one. I did. I thought they looked good. And now I can adjust. I'm just saying, when I was doing my mocking voice, there's a lot of Michigan fans out there. This would be a 50-50 toss-up game or low-key think they could win because they're like, oh, this team's supposed to be 7-5 and five or 8-4 and four after a terrible 2-4 and four year. No. As a Michigan fan, I hold this team to a higher standard. I told you guys, I looked you guys in the face when this schedule came out. I was upset that we had to play Wisconsin for the seventh year in a row. They're basically in our Big Tenies at this point. But with them being down, you have to win this game. And it's like, I'm ready for I'm right. I don't know about like firing everyone upon loss sounds aggressive. I just like, I'm ready for a new regime upon a loss. I'm still going to leave it as fire upon loss on the graphic. Because that's what it means. That's what it is. But I'm ready for a new regime because it's like, you're just going to watch the same old song and dance happen again and again. Easy, man. They haven't lost yet. You know what would be the perfect serendipity of this weekend, guys? Now that I think about it, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you this right now. It's going to happen. Mark it down. If Michigan loses this game, Ole Miss is going to be Alabama. And we're like, you know what? Why can't we just take chances on guys like Lane Kiffin in, until it works? Because they actually modernize the game of football and are willing to take chances. If, if Ole Miss beats Alabama and Michigan loses to Wisconsin, you'll know everything you need what's been wrong with Michigan for like the last seven years and like their coaching hires. It's like take a chance on somebody. That game. Awesome. Yep. I'm just saying. That's probably going to happen. 77-70 final. So that's that game. Big noon kickoff. Um, again, wind out of the sails to – well, we're not wrapping up with Lions. We have briefly some positive golf talk at the end. But Lions at Bears. Bears are minus four. Is that real? Mm-hmm. <sighs> what it over the Bears. 1 p.m. Um, on Fox, overrunners 44. Wow, same as Michigan-Wisconsin. That's just Big Ten football, baby, back-to-back. Black and blue division. Um, what do you guys think about this game? Uh, I'm hoping David Montgomery plays well. <laughs> Selfish <laughs> fantasy owner. Um, I, think, uh, I think we'll see more of the same, you know? Uh, not much good. Probably not going to win. You want to see Dan Campbell win. I would. I hope they win this game. But it's at Soldier Field. Uh, Justin Fields, assuming he starts again, if Dalton's out, I think he'll uh, he'll get that game he wanted the first game. You know, play as a rookie against the Lions in their first game usually goes well. Ask Sam Darnold. Ask you know any Packers backup that ever had to play against us. Matt Flynn. Um. So yeah, I think if Justin Fields starts, he should probably have like you know. His coming out game, and they'll just throw all over us. They'll run all over us, and we'll lose. They're still better than us. We're still not good. Nothing's changed for me in terms of the Ravens game. That was depressing. Because, because, like I said, this is a glorified practice for the Ravens, and they got caught like, oh, shit, we're going to lose, and then they still won. Score and must-win meter. Uh, must-win meter is ex- all the way at the bottom. doesn't matter. This game doesn't matter. The Lions games don't matter. It's so depressing that every week none of these games matter. Uh, so it's not a must win. And we lose the game to 31-23. You're telling Vegas they're stupid. Yeah, we're going that over. Score. Yeah, we're going over. Evan? Um, a lot like Alex, Bears defense is still elite. And like if you watched it today, Bears offense was horrendous. And that's why they couldn't stay in the game. Um. 
I just don't see us being able to move the ball efficiently on them. Um, so I got Bears in this one. See, they can't score 30 points to save their life. Matt Nagy is a bad play caller. Don't forget about this defense. Um, it's still terrible. I'll go 21. What's the spread for right now? Mm-hmm. Mm. I'll go 21-17 Bears. That's just must-win meter. Low scoring. Uh, it's NFL football. It doesn't mean anything. It's at the very bottom. So it's expecting yeah, to Matt lose? Matt Campbell signed a six-year contract. I'm it's expecting okay. to lose. If I'm Matt Nagy and I lose this, this is a fire on offense if he loses. Yeah, we can spin zone it. It's fireable offense if Matt Nagy loses. I could not be more different than you guys. Um, oh, this is the Dan Campbell week, week one. I'm a dummy football fan. I watched a beat-up Lions team beat the Bears last year in Soldier Field. It was a great moment for the team. They had fun under um, Daryl Bevel, baby. Let the boys have fun. They played music at practice. I'm, I'm giving you some things to watch as a Lions fan. That's my That's my – promise to you i'm going to give you things to watch to keep you locked in we're going to be looking to see guys if we draw better schemes for hawkinson now that teams are keen keen on him as the main guy we're going to see if deandre swift is on the field for 80 percent of snaps yeah let's get that's what i'm looking for and then defensively i cannot stress this enough after what i watched cleveland do yes does detroit have a Miles Garrett? No. But after what you watch with that Bears offensive line and any um, Bears fans I listen to, like the Barcelona Chicago guys and Big Cat, they talk about how bad their offensive line is. If Aaron Glenn cannot dial up some pressure to fluster a rookie quarterback who I assume will still be starring unless Andy Dalton comes back, I don't know. But if you cannot fluster Justin Fields in the pocket and get pressure on this terrible offensive line, that's going to be a red flag to me. Like I think if you're Brockers, if Romeo Quara. I, mean, I haven't seen every snap, but where have you been? I better hear your name a lot on I Sunday. Need need you a lot. Need I'm gonna, I'm gonna need a Reeves Maven blitz sack in this game. I'm gonna need people flying down, playing around with their hair, flying off, and I'm gonna take Evans score twenty one seventeen Lions. And you know what? This is a must win. You cannot go zero and four under MCDC. We own the Bears. We better put our foot in the ground and say, you know what? We may be a joke, but we're not the worst team in this division. We're better than the Bears. Beat them on their home turf. Must win. I'll be super. I'll be super out on the Lions to press if they lose this game. You're this game delusional. Well, when we when we did our game by game predictions, you are delusional. when we did our game by game predictions, I circled this game and I circled the Bengals game as games you got to come away with. We are the worst team in the NFC North. We are. No, we are going to prove it that we're not. Okay. Well, on that note, I just, you know, I'm just looking to see, you know, quality play, disciplined football, and we're going to lose. Coach speak. Dan Campbell needs more than three games before you're throwing out must wins. Must win. Not firing anybody. He inherited. Got to win the game. But they play the Bears. Bears he inherited think. a bag of dog poop. And the Bears are dog to poop. Win football games. Yes, it's not that hard. I see teams. The Bears made the playoffs. I see. I see teams worse than that win all the time. The Bears were in the playoffs last year. They're not that bad. The Texans won already this year. They we can't played, go on four. They played the Jaguars. Well, if we were playing the Jaguars, then I could maybe go in the must win. Maybe that's, see, that's a battle of the toilets. Soft, soft for saying maybe. We played the Jets. Is that a must win? Yes, because they stink. Good. At least we're not off the reservation here. But I don't think it's a must win. Must win. That's so extreme. No, can't go on four in the NFL. Win the football game. Desperation time. Um, now something that I can't believe. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like that's not I even know. a shtick. It just this is being the raw thoughts. Can't believe that all came out. 
Uh, closing topic here, the Ryder Cup, a team that should be desperate, a country, a continent, Europe should be desperate. If we absolutely dusted them, um, what was it called? The slaughter by the water? The slaughter by the water. Just the absolute slaughter by the water. Scotty Scheffler just said, pounded the world. Vamos to John Rahm in his face. No, he didn't actually do that. Um, ton of viral moments. I, I wish I would have locked in more to this. I'm going to go back and watch YouTube highlights of the days because like, I, I didn't soak it up because there was too much football on. But this was like one, when, I, when I was watching this, I was so captivated by the raw emotion. And then they have Michael Jordan talking about why he loves it because it brings out the real competitive side of golf where people are trash talking and fans are allowed to boo. And it's everything I love about like this type of golf that I wish was there every day. And like, because if every Sunday was like this where fans could be chirping at people and like guys didn't like each other on tour, it'd be much better. Um, but any highlights that kind of stood out for you guys throughout the weekend? Uh, number one, start saving your money. We're going to Europe. <laughs> so that's going to be sweet. Wow. Um, Evan, shot that down. Come on, Evan. Got to go over. I'm not going to Europe. Actually. I'll wait for another, what, seven years until it's back. In the Is it every three or every two? Every four. Oh, my goodness. The presents. Every two years. Yeah, presents cups. Uh, you get the presents cups right up every two years. Mike Chirico made it seem like like super feasible for everyone. He's like, if you haven't been here, you have to go. It's like, okay, I'm sure I'd, I'd love to, Mike. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> number one fans, you know, the energy of the Ryder Cup is awesome. You think Jim Nance hates he doesn't get to call this? Probably disappointed. Like, I was thinking he has the life where he gets March Madness, the Masters, he gets Super Bowls. He it all. But you know, deep down, like, keeps him hungry as he goes to bed. He's like, I don't have the Ryder Cup. Like I'm sure he loves this event. I love the just the fan interaction, just the talking. Whoa, so many swears out of Gillen tonight. Well, I don't know how, how else to describe that trash talking. It's boring. It's just great. I don't know the the energy levels, the atmosphere, all of it is just awesome, and it really helps that this year we actually won because usually you're a bit dusting us. So it felt good to pound them this year. Oh uh, yeah, the young youth movement. Um, DJ, shout out DJ, was undefeated. Kyle Morikawa looked good. Xander looked good until he played Rory the last day. Um, and JT, I think he's kind of like... Captain America now. The new Captain America. Yeah, I mean, he brings the energy after every single like, made putt that's like matters. Um, he's a guy that's chirping the stands, like asking people to like stand on their feet. I can't hear you. Um, I love that from JT. It was good to see. It was fun to watch. You know, some golf, you know, every like normal tournament is kind of like, eh. but this was like tune in. I woke up, it was a Friday morning and I was just scrolling through Twitter and also I was like, oh my gosh, the Ryder Cup's on. I was glued to my TV all morning on Friday because of the Ryder Cup. There's so much like fist pumping, like every hole is a fist pump basically. It's right. And like, I really love the strategy and like the absolute sweatiness of alternate shot. Like I, I like that so much more than the four ball. But like, I love the fact that like you just have to rely on your partner to make that putt on the green. And as much as I love JT and all the, the celebrations, I think I became a fanboy of the the DJ and Morikawa pairing because like they're the most like chill, don't react much. I mean, everyone reacts a little bit in the Ryder Cup. Like even guys like Patrick Cantlay are showing emotion. No hat pat. But uh, like DJ and Morikawa are the most like reserved and almost like I said in our group chat, they're just like ninjas. You know, they're just, they're not really, they're like, yep, I expect to do this. And it's a cool dynamic where DJ is like 37 and Morikawa is like young 20s. And they're kind of the same guy, just like 13 years apart. And they're just absolutely stepping on the chest of Europe and just doing it silently. And no one even knows about it. Silent assassins. Um, The Ryder Cup trophy itself stinks out loud. 
It's all small. It's tiny. It's tiny. Uh, it was kind of cool as forced as it might have been. It was nice to see Brooks and Bryson hug. It was a really awkward dap up. It was the most like forced thing of all, of all time. But then someone in the team yelled Brooksy and then like Bryson laughed. So I think that might be officially squashed. I don't know if people are saying it's officially squashed, but I feel like it is uh, at least. And then I'll, you know, I let you go more on it, Alex, but it has to be so unbelievable. Like the partying that's about to happen out of that team. It'd be one of the most like fun events. All I, all I want to do is just be there when they're partying or just watch. I just want to see all their celebrations and how hammered they get together. It's probably so awesome. We saw DJ already hammered at the podium. Yeah. Um, Looks like it would be such a great, awesome time. Because it's such a small, tight-knit group and you're for country. I mean, I, I joked they're probably flying to Vegas. Like, I feel like you just got on a private they might, jet. They could easily be flying. You probably just... Because you're not going to party in Wisconsin, I don't think. No offense to Wisconsin. They do like to drink beer, but I'm not sure that's the vibe. I think you hop on a jet and go to a time zone that's earlier in the day and you're just in Vegas. And then you just let it rip all night. Also, at one point, you said just being a young, like, good golfer that didn't get to play... Yeah, that probably sucks so bad. Just have to watch. Like being like, because they take 12, right? So if you're like a world top 24 and you're an American and you didn't make it somehow, like that probably stings because this is the year they won. And like you could have been a liability out there and they still would have won. Like you could have gone over and the uh, the rest of the team was so good that it must also stink if you did go over and the team wins. Like it probably feels kind of weird. Yeah. Also, why did Bernd Wiesberger make the Europe team? (laughs) That sucks. Rory sucks. No, Rory stinks. He's pounded Xander today. Yeah, he's a he's not a team guy. He had to deal with Ian Poulter the first round. Do you see how bad Ian Poulter was the first round? Ian Poulter oh, is like the captain of Europe. Like he is. Ian like, Poulter's undefeated in uh, in singles matches in Ryder Cup history. Undefeated, never lost. Yeah, he's, and he's this elite is Ryder Cup. Stunning is all with the good team chemistry from Team USA. I honestly think the most surprising thing is Scotty Scheffler beat John Rahm one on one. Guys, just cool, calm, and collect. That's going to go so under the radar because of a full day of NFL, but that's in, that's insane. Because John Rahm might be – I mean, he is the best player in the world right now, no doubt. We should petition for the Ryder Cup every two years. Down. I would say every year, but that might, like, lose its loss. I just made me – I need to appreciate it more next time it's on. I might get the President's Cup next year. I think you should get the President's Cup next year. Yeah. Also, I don't know where you stand. Alex was like, man, wouldn't this, he looked at me. He's like, wouldn't this be so much better if Tiger was there? I was like, no, absolutely not. Well, you guys are Tiger haters. Like, I enjoyed it actually more because him. And, I don't have to watch him and Phil kicking balls around, not not winning matches. Well, I didn't. Okay. Phil was there too, by the way. Oh, I know. He's an assistant captain, which is fine. I'm fine with and them Tiger being was involved. an assistant captain in the President's Cup. But I don't need him playing. Okay. Because their record stinks. I like the youth movement. Tiger dusted Abraham Answer. No, Abraham I could be Abraham Answer. That's Wrong. not true. At Putt-Putt. Close. At no, Putt-Putt. probably not. At Putt-Putt. No. No. All right. We're off the rails, so let's close this thing out. Um, at Shot of MS for all the social accounts except for TikTok, Shot of Michigan Sports. That's the best place to see clips. Any graphics we post. Um, new merch. To, new merch. The Woodshed the wood merch. Shed move. There might be more coming. We'll have to kind of see. Uh, We've gotten some requests for new merch ideas, Evan. Maybe some crew necks. Maybe uh, our own Tuck Common brand. Because I think we don't have to get we don't get copyright if we do that. Because that's not trademarked by anybody, at least not yet. Um, we will. We'll try to think of some other other good ones. If anyone has any suggestions of stuff you want us to make, let us know. We can try to whip up some stuff. But keep an eye out for that because. Um, I don't know. I guess the woodshed thing's here to stay, especially if you watch the FS1 broadcast. 
And then how to listen, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Um, you know the drill there, as Alex mentioned, like on some it's follow, some it's subscribe, whatever it is, just like turn on turn on those automatic downloads. And again, I think the best way to spread it or be nice to us if we do this for free for you guys is just send that link to a friend and say, hey, like skip to this minute mark and what do you agree with their take here? You know? And again, we have um timestamps and all the episodes so you can jump around because these these football ones if you guys haven't realized they're getting long you know we're like two hours of shows because we love football and it's the best sport so skip around if you want to um rate and review five stars would be great then submit any questions you like answered dms or email whatever works um so with all that being said cheers to episode 39 and uh we cheers to not apologizing for being 4-0 in the big 10 it's a hard thing to do yeah. Or no, baby. Cheers to an undefeated September. And on Cheers to October. top of the Big Ten East. Michigan State's top of the Big Solo Ten East. Solo Big Ten East leaders through a month of football. Feels right. <laughs>